You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. And remember, you can always go to swordchomp.com where you can access the many places our podcast is available for download. But if you're listening to the show right now, that means you found us. So welcome to the madness that is the Chompcast. Um, you can also find us on Patreon if you want to support us. Patreon.com slash swordchomp. If you'd like to support us there financially, look for our VIP tier, but more on that later. Uh, which way shall our moral compass guide us this week on the Chomcast? Will it, it keep our depraved hearts from the usual vile humor and dick jokes, or will it guide us into a path of a very different show, one that is wholesome intellectual fun for the whole family to enjoy? I, I don't know. I can't tell my... Moral compass is covered with man batter, a deep layer of crusted man batter. But you know what? That brings me to the topic of the show, which is morality in video games, um, ethical decisions, everything along those lines, and you know how those you know moral decisions have affected our depraved hearts over the many years. And we're going to use help from the at Sword Chomp Instagram community to talk about that. So moral decisions in gaming. This is a show that's a long time coming. Pull topics this week include Spider-Man vs. Arkham Knight. Should Fish buy an Xbox One or a PS4 or a PC? Killer Croc. The Legend of Gobos. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and loneliness. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the nature of how we deal with it as human beings, and most importantly, as gamers. Um, which should make the show kind of a little more introspective than usual, which is fine. Um, we will maybe follow up on a little Spider-Man, and of course, we will run down the Tokyo Game Show a little bit, because last week, our very own Japanese correspondent, Shay Layton, the professor, was on the scene for his very first TGS, and he actually joins us today. Hello, Shay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm glad to be back. Um, you know, Rich took my place last week. He did a pretty good job. I'm proud of him. He always, you know, takes the mantle. But, you know, there's just no replacing me. This doesn't feel like the Chompcast without me here. To make it's true. the worst dick jokes and the worst puns out of all of us. Hmm. It's, we can't replace you, Shay. It's sort of like when my fiance asked me to wear a sheath over top of my package there's just there's no replacing me you know what i mean it's just not the same um, it's true i i like i knew that this joke was coming and you know it's funny the the listeners can't see this but josh knew the joke was coming the second you started talking he set his head down because he already <laughs> knew he was gonna head shake he put his head down anticipating uh -huh. the head shake he was going to be doing was it just the word fiance, Josh? Is that all I did it? My I knew fiance. exactly where the joke was going, <laughs> so I had to have my hand securely over my face before it happened. That's true. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to smack his own face so hard in the face palm that he renders yeah, himself it's... unconscious for this episode. Yeah, you have to be safety conscious with jokes like these around. It's true. It's true. OSHA will be on it's our true. asses. <laughs> well... I guess the, I guess we've already proved this will not be a wholesome family podcast at this point. That's for sure. Um, first dildo sheath joke of the year. But yeah, Shay, we're glad to have you back. I have a section where I want to ask you some questions about TGS. Um, cool. We got some really cool pictures from your TGS experience that are on the VIP Patreon, Instagram, or uh, 
yeah, VIP Patreon Instagram page. So if you sign up for our VIP Patreon, which is $5, that's our tier, you can see some of the stuff that we added this week. There was this one really, I really like the Catherine booth um, for the new Catherine remaster. It's like her, you actually go under her dress as if you're walking into her giant crotch somehow yeah. to play all the, that's, that's, that's kind of risque for a trade show, I would think. Yeah, I figured you would appreciate that. Um, I I'll save anything I want to say about that for later because like I I have stories about that booth, so I'll keep it oh. all. I'll save it for later. Ooh, what happens in the Catherine booth does not stay in the Catherine booth. Am I right? What happens under her skirt? Oh man! Only they made it out of like a curtain instead of like you know, so it actually looked like the skirt kind of. Tri- I could have put a lot of work into that booth. They need the right kind of pervert. They need me, the right kind of creep. Anyways, uh, Shay. Uh, the professor. We're glad you're back here this week. So, I have yeah. some I have some catch up questions for you because you missed a big show last week. So, um, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, cool. It's gonna be fun. Gonna be fun. Um, anyways, up next, of course, um, from Texas, the Filipino Johnny Depp, a man whose moral compass is not covered in a crusted man batter like mine. Uh, in fact, he can't even find his moral compass. Uh, he's pretty sure he lost it in a stripper's asshole. Um, not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> Just fairly certain. I have to go back and check. How are you doing, Fish? Oh, pretty good. Yeah. Still looking for that compass, of course, but <laughs> I've given up on it. I don't, Naturally, I don't, I don't he's trying I, to find I've, the male G spot. Oh, oh, the, oh. oh. In a stripper's ass? Yeah. I didn't say it was a male or female. Nobody, yeah, nobody said this was a female stripper, Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. oh, where, oh, where I guess is I lost I it at that it. club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, you oh. know, no judgment. Yeah. As long as you had a good time, yeah. you know, sexuality is fluid. Get out there. Oh, of course. Yeah. Enjoy yeah, your if life. If they're sexy and they're having a good time, there's nothing more attractive than that. No. Man or woman. That's 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 right. <laughs> um. Yeah, glad you're here, Fish. Uh, you know, I like the I like the idea of the visual representation of, you know, your uh, something serious like your morality, um, in in a physical object somehow. And then I like the the image of losing that object. Yeah, in a stripper's asshole. So <laughs> in an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> there's just there's a lot of layers of subtext there if you want to dig in it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Dig, yes. Uh, 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 uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. there we go. There we go. All right. Hmm. Making sure we're all awake here. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, glad you're here, Fish, of course. <laughs> um, the one and only. And of course, you know, speaking of uh, assholes, I'm glad you can make it today, Josh. Um, not because you're an asshole. I've, I've, I've said, uh, Joshua Fowler's actually here from Michigan. Um, his eye's actually all swollen this week. Uh, I can see him on the webcam here. He's showing us before the show. Uh, all red and swollen. Josh, my understanding is that you were just reaching for one of your anal beads, but you forgot there was still some lube on your fingers and it just shot right out like a rocket? Yeah. Yeah. It's... <sighs> as nice as silicone lube is, it's... it's. You have to mentally prepare for it. If you're mm, not, okay. If you're not in the right headspace... You can just, you know, really, really just kind of let, you know, the pressure, normal, normal grasping pressure is, is drastically okay. different whenever something is 
got you know just that little friction. It's true. So it's you gotta make sure you gotta make sure your head is in the right space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, you should really have a warning on that lube bottle. I think some sort of like, you know, hazard warning, right? Well, I mean, it, I it mean, came with an orange safety cone. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. To, uh, a safety oh, just, cone. Yeah. Just one. Well, I mean, I, I assume That's they think you're gonna put it by do. the door. But uh, okay. yeah, I mean, really, there there should be one for, I don't know, maybe maybe when I get the next bottle, I'll have another one for the other door, just to remind myself. Um, yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. they're gonna have a lawsuit on their hands. I mean, how many? Well, I mean, they'll have it on their occurring? hands, but then they'll lose it right away. It's just so oh, slick. Oh, there we go. Whip. Oh, that's good. That one almost that slid right by us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, any. Uh, Come on, fish, bring it up. Take it home. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are just popping out with all these nice puns. Hmm. Hmm. No? <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> um, no, but we're glad you're here, Josh. Uh, recovering from your injury, but, you know, a wounded eye will not keep you from... Sh- gracing us with your opinions because your mouth is still working fine as far mm-hmm. as i know so um <laughs> just made me think of that thing from a christmas story you're gonna shoot your eye out kid mm-hmm. i don't know why for some reason that was running into my head as soon as we were talking about that and i really I love don't that know movie why. i that's that is probably the best christmas movie without cheating and saying die hard like an asshole yeah, don't be that guy. Yeah, nobody <laughs> likes be, that guy. Don't be that guy. Come on. I don't know. Home Alone's a pretty close one. Home Alone is damn good. Mm. Eh, it's up there. Mm. It's up yeah, there. Have you watched it, it recently? But the Christmas is pretty time. tangential. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's that's like picking your favorite children. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I yeah. can't do it. Macaulay Culkin or. Christmas Story Kid's name. Christmas Story <laughs> Kid's name. Ralphie. If only Macaulay Culkin was in the Christmas Story, it would have been perfect. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. Um, I, of course, am Morgan from Montana, a.k.a. General Mountain Time. And uh, I'm excited for this show because uh, not only do I have some things I want to catch up with uh, with Shay because he was gone last week from our PlayStation Classic debate, but We've been, I've been digging in, you know, Batman and Spider-Man and, like, moral conundrums and, like, loneliness. This is like a Morgan show through and through. I want to start with this, Shay, because I cleared some of my space here in the intro. You were gone last week. Some of our, I know our, some of our listeners missed you. When you were listening to, I want to, here's our top 20 that we decided on with Rich, okay? Now, Rich is not an official member to decide the PS Classic, but he had a hand in helping build this list. We need your yeah. final stamp of approval, okay? Okay. All right. So these are the 20 games that we decided on for our PS Classic, and if you missed last week's show, this will be helpful for you, because we fought about this for like two hours. The five that they announced with it, Tekken 3, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer, Wild Arms, Final Fantasy VII. The 15 that we decided on were Tony Hawk, Medieval, Symphony of the Night, a Hot Shots Golf Game, Twisted Metal Game, a Cool Borders Game, a Wipeout game, a Gran Turismo game, a Crash Bandicoot game, a Spyro game, a Tomb Raider game, a Resident Evil game, a Parappa the Rappa game, 
a Metal Gear Solid game, and a Final Fantasy Tactics. How do you feel about that? Um, I mostly feel good. Mostly. Like, uh, mostly. Okay. I was listening to... I was listening to it at work, and I was silently seething at certain parts. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you guys saying? Like, some of this stupid shit that was coming out of your guys' mouths. Frustrating. Like what? Give us what's something that really drove you crazy. What's something that you heard and you were like, "Oh, these motherfuckers." Well, we've we've already been arguing about it off the air. We were arguing about it in the the chat, but jumping flash, um, which we will obviously get to later when you guys yeah, are talking yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, just some of the games you were like, oh, like uh, when you guys were like, Spyro Two is the best one of the three. I was like, shut the fuck up. No way. First one's the best one, easily. But to be fair, I'm in the minority there. I know a lot of people think the second one is the best. They're one. both really good. Yeah, they're both. Well, really what makes good. those tricky though is that they're like a lot of those series have three great games. Like sometimes it's really easy. Like with Nintendo, it was really easy for them to pick like Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, and stuff. But for a lot of these PlayStation series, I I don't see how they're gonna pick on one. You know what I mean? Like how do you just pick one? Resident Evil, Tomb Raider, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro. Like true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, they have their work cut out for them. I will say that because, honestly, they're, like, they, could, they could fill up at least half that, or a third of that system with um, Final Fantasy games at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. And it's really hard to pick a variety because, like you guys had actually mentioned, yeah. that system was predominantly action-adventure games, and RPGs. However, there were still some really good games to come out of that era that were not in those two categories. So either way, you're going to slight some fans, you know? You're going to slight some fans with not including certain JRPGs that were super pivotal during that time. Um, It's hard for me to, like, pick because a lot of the choices I would have made were pretty underground choices. So, for example, there's a game... Uh, called Herc's Adventures, which is, and I've talked with you guys about this years ago, uh, two years ago, roughly now. It was from the creators of Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and it was a super good game, but it was pretty underground. And could mm-hmm. I ever yeah. see that making it on there? No. Hell no. no but yeah. I think it's a phenomenal game that people should play, because it's, the humor in it is still phenomenal. Um, for the most part, like though, like I said, I agree with your guys' list. You guys, okay. I think, picked a lot of the safe choices, but I wish that you guys would have made some more left field choices. Well, but it day. wasn't. But that's the tricky thing, right? It's not called the PlayStation Left Field. It's called the PlayStation Classic. So our goal was to just try to pick the perfect representation of that system. That's true. That's true. But then, like, like we, like we argued, uh, you don't think Jumping Flash is a classic? So at that. At that, there's there's a little bit of disparity there, I think. But yeah, I I agree. I mean, like when you're trying to pick a actual classic and you're trying to adhere to that, that's fair. Like it, the question wasn't your dream twenty games. It was yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you guys. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'd so be splitting agree- hair. I'd be splitting hairs to pick one or two other games, but. Okay. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. With I just you. want to see how close we can get. But the reality is, if they pick Jumping Flash and Wild Arms, like we talked about last week, there's going to be some wild cards that we are not going to see coming. So 
<laughs> I'm fascinated to see what those are going to be. Um, yeah, yeah, it, I, I'm excited. I, I actually like after I listen to the episode. So hopefully this is indicative of our fans. I actually was like researching. I was like, have they announced any more games yet? So I'm excited. Um, it, it'll mm-hmm. be exciting. Um, I know some people, and this is the last thing I want to say about it. I know some people are kind of put off by that hundred dollar price tag. I think that's reasonably priced. You look at, you try and get Final Fantasy VII, whether it's an original black label copy or one of the greatest hits copies, the game sells for fifteen twenty dollars on its own. That's already a fifth of the yeah. the machine. Um, I don't know. I think it's reasonably priced. I know it's more expensive than the the NES Classic and the it's, Super Nintendo. Yeah. But the thing you got to remember is if they're throwing in JRPGs, that's way more content than most of those games have yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. It's a lot more content. Like Final Fantasy VII, the content in that could probably... <laughs> that's probably <laughs> over half the NES Classic games time-wise that you're playing. So, yeah, you're spending a little bit more up front, but you're getting a hell of a lot more content, in my opinion, if they throw more JRPGs into the mix. Yeah, so I can't imagine that would be their only RPG on the system. No, but... it can't be. Yeah, I mean, because that's well, no, there's Wild Arms. Was... Wild Arms is on there. Well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but those two, like, yeah, they, there are I so many others. Like that, that whole yeah. machine was just built for JRPGs because they finally yeah. had CDs we... to be able to cram all that content onto. We settled. Right. We were hoping there'd be one more, like a Chrono Cross, but we couldn't. We were fighting about it, so we settled on like Final Fantasy Tactics, um, but. It you know it could be a Chrono Cross or some other left field thing. So yeah, I'm man. I'm curious. I could see I could see Chrono Cross. So I could many see Legend of Dragoon, like you guys said. Um, I could. What else? I couldn't see Saga Frontier. Sadly, sadly, no. <laughs> I wish, but no. Well, poor poor Rich. He wanted um a Sudokin Sikadin? too. I don't know if I'm pronouncing. Yeah, it there's right. no way that'll make yeah. it. Yeah, Sudokin is won't. super influential, but it won't make it just because it's still pretty underground game, kind of like yeah. Saga Frontier. It's more of a cult. You could make a point that more people. I wonder if more people have heard of Seeking in Two than Jumping Flash. So I wonder. <laughs> I think <laughs> so, Definitely. but again, it's in the U.S. Yeah. God, God damn it! You and that you. We'll fight about that later. Anyways, see, for the most part, you agree with our list. Um, you wouldn't. There's yeah. not, nothing big that sticks out. Uh, that you would change. I'd probably knock one or two things off and add another JRPG or two, to be honest with you. But that's splitting hairs at the well, end of the day. But, no, but let's just, and we'll, we'll entertain that for 10 seconds and we'll move on. How about this? If you could pick one more JRPG, because this is where we got stuck, that you think they would throw on there, because we couldn't decide, we don't think it's going to be another Final Fantasy, because there's already a Final Fantasy game on there. We don't think it's going to be necessarily Legend of Dragoon. But if you had to, if you had to guess what you think it would be, because Wild Arm... You think so? Bar none. Because Chrono Trigger was such a big game mm-hmm. back in the day for the NES or Super NES era. And Chrono, Chrono Cross wasn't as widely critically accepted and acclaimed as Chrono Trigger, but it was still a very impactful game for that machine. So yeah. I, I think. What would I would you bump off? That... What would you bump off for Chrono Cross? You can pick one bump. And then we can, I'm not saying we're going to do it, but we could talk about it. I'm going to be honest with you, and this is just, this is just personal preference because there's no way in hell. I can't do that. I can't do it. This is a classic machine. I was going to say I'd bump Gran Turismo off because fuck racing games. But That's the best-selling uh, PlayStation game ever. I know, I know, I know. That's why I can't, that's why I can't bump it. Yeah. Um, 
run 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 me through those 15 really quick again sorry i i'm forgetting some of them okay i'll, I'll fly through them final fantasy tactics metal gear solid parappa the rapper resident evil tomb raider spyro crash gran turismo wipeout cool borders twisted metal hot shots Wipe golf symphony we do have a lot of racing wipeout. games we kind of we we do we, we wanted a bunch of racing games because they did a bunch but i we we do have like four now so I could yeah, see them cutting I would take Wipeout out easily. That was that was the one that I completely disagreed with you guys. I saw your your logic and your reasoning there, but I don't think it belongs there because like well, I didn't you guys want have more, on there, almost but... more racing and car games than you do yeah. RPGs at that point. So I, I can see it to Rich's logic on that because I don't remember yeah. Wipeout. I don't. Um, I mean, I know it's in yeah. I trust uh, like, him. That I, was a I could see, PlayStation I would see thing. Jet just... Moto before I see Wipeout. Yeah, me too. One. For some reason, I would see Jet Moto before Wipeout. But I don't know if that's me being crazy or not. That I might just be our bias there. But I just remember. I don't know. I'm not saying I like yeah. it. I'm just I think I a, lot, a lot of it's just who you were friends with at the time. Like, <laughs> at the time of the PS1s. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, literally, I was... I had, yeah. My friends was were friends super into JRPGs. Like, the obscure ones and stuff. So, like, Sweek It In... Uh, Xenogears, mm. st- all the stuff like Star Ocean, yeah. when they remade that for PS1, like they were all super into that. So like those are those are all I heard about at the time, uh, when that was the system. Yeah. So, me and Fish were friends. We traded games with each other. He broke my yeah. Metal Gear Solid case. We traded Final Fantasy VIII, Dino Cry. He let me borrow Dino Crisis. So mm-hmm. we were trading. And you buddies. know, Dino Crisis was not something I really got into. Um, but I didn't like going and doing some research on the game, realizing how actually impactful it was at that time. That makes perfect sense. One thing, like I was kind of surprised that you guys didn't add to the list was either a Silent Hill or a Parasite Eve game. To be honest, well, yeah, like, I was I fighting for a Silent Parasite Hill. Eve. But... Yeah, I, I, Silent Hill yeah. has a chance, but Josh was saying that it looked real bad on the PlayStation. Yeah. I think that was you, wasn't? It? Yeah, like I, it's it's cool, but Silent Hill One compared to Silent Hill Two is not a great comparison. Like, Silent Hill 2 still kind of holds up. Like, they're doing some really cool psychological stuff and whatnot, but just the hardware limitations of Silent Hill 1 meant that... you, you All the fog you remember from Silent Hill 2, because I, I know you guys played that one. Yeah. It's, it's that, but worse in Silent Hill 1. It's because they still wanted to do more open areas, but the machine couldn't really handle a lot of it so you end up with but like at the time really how was really it pers- foggy stuff because no, I it, was still received well. it was still received well at the time okay, okay. but so it could be it could it be could but be. i like i was saying before i still feel like resident evil is much more iconic for the time like yes, I, I feel like everyone sure. just remembers that one and if if they sure. were going to grab two horror games they would probably grab silent hill before they grab dino crisis unfortunately i think they would probably i i think that's more likely but yeah. Just for something out there, I kind of, yeah, I could see either, but I definitely yeah. see Resident Evil. Man, it's just, it's it's so hard at the end of the day, and we can end it here if you want, to pick just 20 games. And I know you guys mentioned this last week, because mm-hmm. there were so many good games during, like, just this era of gaming was absolutely incredible. Um, Not that each era hasn't been incredible. It just, it was, it was incredible because of the fact that, like you said, Josh, they had all this extra ability to, you know, kind of bring their dreams to fruition to some degree. 
and they were just trying all these crazy games. Yeah, it was like, all new. This, Nobody this, fucking knew what to do with 3D. Right. There was this game that I guarantee you, at least two of you have never heard of, called Kodelka, and it's this weird horror RPG. It's like, like imagine Resident Evil is mixed together with something like Final Fantasy. Hmm. And like they just had all these experimental games, and they were so cool. Like you were like the cool kid on the block if you found this kind of underground awesome game that you could share with your friends. That was like one of the really cool yeah. things about yeah. this era of gaming. And to try and narrow that down to twenty is just insanely hard, like insanely hard. Yeah. So like you guys were mentioning, I hope they do something to where you can somehow get more, like, you can buy or download digital copies of some games if it's not a licensing issue and put it on the machine. Because to yeah, have just that 20 would be games so cool. is, that would be is really insanely, cool. insanely difficult for this era of gaming. Like, my, like one of the, the two basic collections I have in gaming, it's the only two I, I really have made an effort to collect, are both the Sega Genesis and the PS1. I have a ton of underground PS1 era games. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I, I, I know some people are deterred by the price tag. I wouldn't be. Because well, at the end of the day, yeah, if they throw, yeah. throw in three JRPGs, even if they're not like the most brilliant graphically or some, the dialogue doesn't necessarily hold up, you're going to get a ton of gameplay out of this. And this thing, I, I guarantee you this thing is going to sell out. Just like the other two systems did. Yeah. Easily. Well, you know, you know what's infuriating about this? Though? I was thinking about this the other day because I, I have a rant that I think I'm going to make because I just started to get real fucking mad about this. It's not the $100 price tag. It's not the people are already pre-ordering this thing all over the place, right? Pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. I'm listening to all these podcasts. Boom, boom, boom. They've only announced five games for it. Why would you pre-order it before you even know what the fuck is on it? Like, doesn't that seem insane? Like, they could just totally botch the fucking 20 titles. They could just completely... <laughs> they just like, put 15 sports games just to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't yeah, trust Yeah, and the PS1 really kind of got the short end of the stick compared to the N64 for sports games this generation. So... I, I, I'm just saying, if you're gonna, if you want people to reserve something... Nintendo came out and told you the 20 games you were getting, including a brand new game, Star Fox 2, whether it's good or not. The second they announced it, it was part of the fun. PlayStation's got the... I don't know what the fuck their problem is. They came out That's... and announced five games, and two of them are head-scratching, and, and they want me to put my money down and... Like, what the fuck? I don't understand. That's interesting, because... I, I kind of relate it to, like, our situation, actually, in a way, Morgan, of, like... uh. Earlier, earlier this year with the whole um, Evoking the Sublime when I wanted to initially kind of keep who I was interviewing under wraps. And you thought that was crazy. And to you, that, that, like, that's, your, that's your style. That's your, like, your personality, your mentality. I totally get that. For me, I get the other side of the coin, like wanting to build up hype. So it's interesting. I, 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 I see your point and I somewhat agree with you. But I also kind of see what they're doing. They're like trying to build the hype. Like yeah. it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a music album that doesn't release all the track names, all the track titles. Yet you can still pre-order that album. It's just it's a different way to build hype. So it's yeah. interesting. I don't know. That I can see both. that route. I like the idea of a slow release, but it does seem strange that you can already pre-order it. Like I feel like build this up for the next couple months until we have the full list. 
then make it available for pre-order. That way everybody's already talking about it. It's a big deal. Oh no, like we finally have the last, you know, the last five games drop or something, and now we can pre-order it. That's that yeah. At least in it's my two mind. Months away. That seems like it's two months away. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we don't I can, know what's I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. I can kind of That's agree with that, but the, I think they're also looking at it from the standpoint of the NES sold way fucking more than Nintendo either expected yeah. or yeah. they knew exactly how much it was going to sell and they were just like, eh, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll just yeah. tear it. And kind of the same with the SNES. My larger... The SNES wasn't as bad though. It wasn't. They prepared better for the yeah, SNES. Yeah, I think they, yes. yeah, they had some sort of idea that people would really go out there and buy them because... Yeah. yeah, I mean, cause, I, I, mean I guess my like with a normal game, printing extra copies is not as big of a deal as making a console for people to buy. And Nintendo classically has problems with console releases, and then whatever it's something completely new like the NES Classic. Like a lot of people give them crap for it, but I can one hundred percent see not overproducing this thing that is just completely out of left field. So. Yes, I agree. Well, and this yeah. is my larger, darker point, and then if you guys want to leave it here, that's fine, is that everyone's pre-ordering this thing without knowing what's on it. What does that say about our industry? Everyone's spending $100 on it. They don't even know what the fuck's going to be on it. Uh, Maybe they're just trusting true. Sony at this point. Sorry, Fish. Actually, I mean, it's possible. I, I think they're, they're pre-ordering it for Jumping Flash, I'm pretty sure. Fuck <laughs> 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 yeah. End uh, the conversation. Yeah, what, what am I talking about? Junk, jumping Flash and Wild Arms sold this thing, man. Boom. Yeah, exactly. I, it, it's just comical to me. The gamers are a funny <laughs> breed. They're, they're so finicky, but they'll throw uh, their money down before even knowing what the fuck is on it. It's fascinating from like an analytical research perspective. It's true. I mean, it just it speaks to nostalgia and how powerful it is. Like you mentioned last yeah. week, yeah. at the end of the day, that's way more powerful than trying something new for the gaming world. Unfortunately. Yeah. So. Fucking Sony. That's fucking you know, Sony. No, like that's weird. That I I just made that just made this kind of like uh, connection. Like during that time, that was when video gaming was at its most experimental stage. Uh huh. Now there's no way studios can take that much liberty to be that experimental, and people want to spend more on those yeah. older experimental <laughs> yeah, titles yeah. than now. Members, I don't, yeah, I, just, I don't think the big companies are doing it anymore. Like, there's, I feel like it's more experimental now, but it's not the big companies doing it for the most part. Like, there's, that's true. There's more out there, but like, it's harder to find it because so much of it is completely, completely, yeah. you know, off the beaten path. That's true. And most people are going to do with emulators that. and stuff like that. So, oh, that's, it's yeah. that's interesting. That actually ties into TGS, and we can talk about that later. I'm excited. All right. Well, on on that, yeah, I'm excited to talk to Shay about TGS later. And by the way, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to see all those pictures, special videos we edited, inside jokes, anything, if you're a fan of the show, it's like a companion piece of the show. Just go to our Patreon page, patreon.com uh, slash swordchomp, and you can find our VIP tier. It's five bucks. You don't have to do that tier, but um, we have all sorts of cool stuff. It's a private VIP Instagram page that you can sign up for and your support means the world to us. But let's get to the topic of the show. Um, so hopefully you've just returned from pledging your Patreon <laughs> and you're Welcome ready to back. talk. Thank you. But yeah, thank you for returning. 
Um, so, you know, the topic of the show this week was basically tough moral decisions in games. We have a lot of great responses from the Instagram community. Shay, I'll let you kick this off. I know this was... A t- what, what got you thinking about this topic? Was there a game in particular, or...? Um, I... Obviously, this summer, I played a ton of Fallout 4. I... It was on the eve... <laughs> you know, ever since before I thought about this topic, a lot is clearly happened with this company uh the final season of telltale games the walking dead was getting ready to release and i was like thinking about that game because it was one of my favorite favorite series um in recent gaming history and i was like oh man i've had to make some make some really difficult decisions in this series and it, it just got me thinking about some of the choices i've had to make in gaming and bar- like excluding what has happened with that studio because we're uh-huh. everyone knows at this point we're not here to talk about that what happened is unfortunate but next week i got a poll next week we can talk about yeah it. yeah it, that's that's unfortunate what's happened has happened but just the actual choices it just fuck man like i still think about like to this day to this day i still think about the whole lee clementine dynamic and the end of that game, season one. That is gut-wrenching yeah. shit. And Would you have to kill a little kid? Is that what you have to do? Um, have you played season one or no? Because this is going to be a You need to go through the first the... one. Like it's... Yeah. It'll, it'll, I'm just telling you, it'll never happen. It's been a million years. It'll, yeah, I don't mind you ruining it for me. I mean, well, the, I, thing I is, was... the thing is, man, like they've, they've remastered it to make it HD. Um, the, the first season, like you don't have to play any of the others. The others are good. But the first season just fuck, it's so good. It is so yeah. damn good. The first good, season man. is amazing. Like yes. it's the only downside to that first season at all is the like one or two scenes where they decide hey, let's shoehorn in some combat, and and that's not good. But everything right. else about it is so unbelievably solid that it's 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 still yeah. worth going through. Right. The only for me, the only thing I'd say that was quote-unquote bad about that season is it was so damn good that Telltale had to live up to the hype from then on. And it kind of it kind of built, builds certain expectations for the rest of the seasons, but that first season is just insane. Uh, actually, I don't want to spoil it. Um, yeah, if anybody, if anybody hasn't played it, it's, it is still <laughs> worth playing. Wait a second. I'm not, I'm not making it funny, but we're talking about moral decisions in game, but you're not going to tell us what the decision was? We well, went through some of the well, early stuff, but I wouldn't waste, yeah. like, not the last thing or something. But... Okay. Right. Like, but I'll, get to some other, I'll get to some other choices. Okay. That, but for me, that was the, in- so you're the initial... you're some tough ones. That was the initial choice that made me think about this topic, because that is probably one of the three hardest choices I've ever had to make in gaming. And, um... Yeah. So that that was the inspiration for the topic. Sounds like you had to decide whether you wanted to kill a child or not. It's been infected with the virus. That's what it sounds like. I don't know. I'm just from Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It actually takes place in Georgia. It takes place in Savannah, Georgia. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, I remember correctly. That's how I was going for. I I played the beginning of it. There's a car crash. You're like wandering around these people's house. I think I was boarded up in like a store or something whenever I had whenever I stopped. But I, I started it. Yeah, it, it played exactly like Heavy Rain. It felt exactly like Heavy Rain to me. One of those kind of games. It's just as good narrative wise. I'm going to tell you that it's just as good. 
It doesn't have some right. of the pacing issues that those games had. Where they that's true too. Yeah, they were able to keep um, you on okay. track a little bit more. I, I bet the people listening would know exactly what you're talking about if they played the first season of Walking Dead. Yeah. So. Let's just say that you don't forget. Maybe I'm on the right track. Guessing. Who knows? Um. <laughs> uh, in any case, that would be a horrible decision to make. Didn't The Last of Us have something like that, where you had to make a decision whether you wanted to... Not not really. Wasn't the same? Okay. All right. No. I mean, um, it's, po- it's posed as that, but you're not... Not really. Like it's, you're not actually making a decision. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, well, what about you, Josh? What were you thinking of whenever we started uh, mulling this over? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff, but as far as... Actual decisions instead of just kind of a lot of the non-decisions that a lot of games give you. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like Bioshock comes to mind where, oh, hey, you can kill these little children for a ostensibly big reward, or you cannot and get the exact same reward. Like, they... yeah. They they shot themselves in the foot there by not wanting to change the difficulty curve for people who mm-hmm. didn't kill them, but it ended up making it completely pointless to kill the little sisters. So yeah. like if you did it, like there was there was there was no logical reason you could come to like oh I I had to like it was the only way for me to survive it, it was yeah. it was yeah. only because you're an asshole like that's that was the only reason that's by the it. time you were done you were a dick yeah. yeah um so I mean there's a few like that but as far as like actual meaningful decisions in games um like kind of top of the list for me is in Papers Please basically the entire game of that one is you're you're playing as a uh agent as a border agent um in this you know like fictional soviet country um you know and the entire gameplay revolves around you you know checking passports and papers and everything as people are coming into this country um and all the different people you interact with and like yeah. What, what, you know, kind of all their, all their different stories. Like you'll see people come through and whatnot and have different things and you have to check their paperwork. And basically you're, it's bas- it's kind of like a job sim. Like you're doing your job and if you do it poorly, you'll get penalized. You won't get paid as much. This is like, you know, fictional country, but you know, Soviet block style. If if you don't do extremely well at this job, you're not going to have enough money to eat. You're not going to be able to feed your family. Every mm-hmm. decision you make as far as, like, as it goes on, people will obviously have something like, you know, clerical errors on their paperwork or something like that. Like, you can tell this person has, like, a you know, legit stuff, but, you know, just something's going on. But, you know, you have the option of letting yeah, them in like, or not. No. But yeah. like if you if you decide to, you know, bend the rules at all, you'll get penalized. Um and so like But is it a guarantee? Like will is there a chance you could let them in and it'd be okay? Is it like random? Like is there any sort of or if or if there's something wrong with their shit and they get in, you're penalized for sure. No, you're penalized for sure. Um Okay. And then like but but they handle it really well. Like 
one of the recurring characters in the game is a guy who comes through like every couple days for a month with like better and better forgeries until like three months in he eventually has some forgeries that are good enough that you literally have no way to deny him. But if you're mm-hmm. not completely fucking asleep at the wheel, you know this guy has got fucking forged papers. But there's nothing you can really do about it if you're, you know, following yeah. following the rules to the letter. Um, and it's just interesting because, like, you see stuff like that, like this guy who's obviously scamming his way in, but you can't do anything about it. But you wouldn't get in trouble for that, right? Because no, shit you wouldn't. Looks legit. You wouldn't because everything's everything's above board. You you have to let them in, you know, because you're yeah. you're just a cog in this machine. Um, whereas, like I was saying earlier, you have other things that are obviously just like somebody put in the wrong date or something. And yeah, do you think it'd be uh, more emotionally impactful if they showed you like the character's family and stuff, so you could like get to know the people he had to help? Because I'm imagining you don't really see his family or. They're, all that kind of stuff, right? they're described in text. Um, like in, like okay. af, after each day of work, it shows how much money you're able to make. Like, you know, you, you have your usual salary, but then, you know, any penalties you get will make them lose. And then you have to, you have to choose, like, um, whether you're going to buy medicine or, or food or pay for heat, you know, in order to heat your house for all, mm-hmm. you know, because you, there, there's not enough money in order to actually take care of your family um, from all this stuff. Um, Jesus Christ, this is deep and heavy. It really Sounds is. Fun, and it's, but... and it's, it's like all systems-based. It's not like, here's this, oh, you have to make this tough decision and get Renegade or Paragon points. It's like you're actually making all these decisions as you go about this guy's entire life and livelihood and all the people that depend on him. And, but and is the on, gameplay just looking at papers? Is it just like staring at paperwork? Because that sounds a little. I mean, dry. I, it, for the most part, yeah. But it's it it it's one of those games that it's it's a hard sell. But it is it is one of the most affecting games I've played in the last forever. It's it's really good, really good. I it's like just that interesting. Term. In the last forever, mm-hmm. it's interesting because. <laughs> Um, actually in the interview I did last night, we were talking about kind of moral choices and the ones that are the most impactful for gamers are what, like choices that we actually have to make in everyday life. And there isn't a Mm -hmm. good and evil answer. There is just, a like, which consequence do I want to accept type of choice at the end of the day? Like you're faced with a real life choice in video game format and it isn't a good or evil situation it's a you know this is something i may have to make in my everyday life what would i choose am i going to see the consequences of those actions and this is kind of what that game sounds like at the end of the day Mm -hmm. yes yeah you have to make decisions those decisions have consequences many different possible consequences um but it's not black and white yeah no yeah. There's a lot of gray ink on that paper. Uh, please? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> please? <laughs> you knew that joke was bad, so you're like, please? Be- begging for a response. Please? Please? <laughs> you know, taking the full circle. Um, What about you, Fish? 
old Fisherooski. Oh. I have to go with Mass Effect, that whole game. Yeah. Like, that was you one of the first Mass games. You hate Mass Effect. Didn't you? I thought you... Oh, Mass Effect 2 is the one you hate. That's right. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always... I always like to say that out loud and give fish shit. <laughs> no, Mass Effect was one of the first games I played where, like... Yeah. Your choices actually are affecting as far as, um, well, yeah, like certain characters will, uh, disappear at certain points and they get in the story where you actually lose a character and you have to make a choice between one or the other. And mm -hmm. like, if you're using both of them in your team, like that's gotta be a very hard decision for you. But, um, yeah, the, the, that game just like proposed so many different, um, I guess not necessarily moral type of situations, but uh, they gave you so many different um, instances where you're making a choice between uh, something that's almost kind of like, like, like the first first choice that I remember in that game was you're in the Presidio, which is like this, um, like a space citadel out there. Um, where all these uh, different alien races come together and work things out. And um, you come across like a Hanar, uh, which is like this floating jelly. And he's like preaching like his religion to other people. And you have a choice whether to listen to him or kind of be a jerk to him. And like given that choice, like, you know, you feel bad. But at the same time, like, I just wanted to like, get past this dude and just be a jerk to him and not listen to his religion but at the end like he's all like butthurt about it he's like oh you don't want to hear about you know the great Hanar's religion and everything I was like no not really but like yeah that game that doesn't sound like a tough moral decision for you you're like oh, no, <laughs> no you stupid blob I don't give a shit about your religion goodbye yeah but that game does present a lot of those and then when it actually comes up with those big moral decisions um give like me a big Rachnid. one what's yeah what's the what, what was the rachni queen one i don't remember it but i remember it was crazy um uh, it well you you're at like this space facility and they had the last uh they had the queen of the rachnid which is a uh a insect race that was destroying pretty much all of the universe and it took they had to i think it was the krogans that helped yeah. fight back fight them back and um but it, it for some reason the krogans got fucked over on the deal and all of them were sterilized or something like that to where like one in a thousand krogans having sex actually make a baby so like their their race was essentially um yeah Kro krogans were basically over. the only allied race who had the sheer numbers to actually <laughs> combat you know these insects who are overrunning the insect galaxy. things yeah yeah think, think starship troopers yeah it's essentially the same thing but then <laughs> once yeah. once the war was won like fish is saying you know well we've got all these krogans krogans now we can't have them overrunning everything so they ended up sterilizing them so it's like mm -hmm. like you're you're obviously <laughs> on the evil side at this point you're like <laughs> Wait, so thank you for helping us wipe out this yeah. race of evil insects. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to make sure you can't overpopulate anymore. It, exactly. It was, like, it was exactly mm -hmm. that. Um, but 
How did okay. that play into the decision? Because you have to decide whether well, you want the queen to live or die, right? Yeah, it's... Sorry. You, you can explain it or I can. I'll go ahead. Talking about it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, explain it better. Basically, Sorry, in order to help combat, um, you know, uh, the Rachni, um, one of their queens was captured and mm-hmm. studied so they could learn, you know, how to take out entire hives and stuff like that. Um, but you know, the war being over for this long and, um, basically the Rachni have you know hive mind and whatnot or psychic in this universe and this rachni queen who has been studied for you know years and years realizes that her side was absolutely wrong because you know she's been here being studied for all this time you know basically reading the thoughts of everyone around her um yeah. and so you know it's so, you're essentially your job to go in there and yeah, kill her yeah. is what they want you to do or you can just, you know, let her go free. So she's empathetic when you meet her, and it mm-hmm. makes you feel like, oh, she didn't know any better, and now yeah. she kind of does. Yeah, because, well, like, they stole her as a child mm-hmm. and then researched her, yeah. you know, to kill the rest of Ugh. her species. Yeah. So, what, so isn't there a big hook, though? Like, if you let her live, she comes back in Mass Effect 3, right? Yes, not in a big way, but yeah, they okay. yeah. Which I was curious about because that's a pretty big decision. I, I I wish I could remember the details on how that decision played out more effectively. Because I remember when I was googling the Rachni Queen for this for the show, I was seeing a lot of things from her from Mass Effect Three, and I'm like, well, fuck! If I killed her, then she probably wasn't in Mass Effect Three for me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. I remember the Rachni Queen. I don't remember what I did though. I don't remember if I killed her or let her let her live. <laughs> to be honest oh. with you, I let her live. Yeah, I did too. If you, you let her live, you have to like fight off the people who hired you to kill her because they'll mm, show yeah. up mad oh, that you, yeah. you know, God didn't finish the that job. That just makes me uh, so. I'm so mad about Andromeda. That's the kind of shit we had <laughs> in 2007, man. Mm-hmm. And it oh, yeah. was so good. Uh, yeah, and if you have Rex in your party, he's like he's oh, like pushing yeah, you to you actually do. kill her. Get her, yeah, he's, kill her, <laughs> kill her. She, I get her babies because of this bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, he's just like yeah, I, I probably did because I liked Rex. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That that that's what I liked about that game as well. Is like that your your characters also jump into the decisions that you're making and essentially give their input as yeah. well. Yeah, mm-hmm. your whole party has an opinion on everything you do, which was a really... Mm-hmm. That was a really cool thing that they, you know, added to that game. It, instead of it being... Yeah, like I was, I was kind of making fun of the whole Renegade Paragon point system for your goodness before, mm-hmm. but one of the coolest things they did was make everyone in your party, like all your... Everyone you knew had an opinion about what you did, and that was really cool. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's. Yep. Do you guys ever run into this issue? Because I know one thing I get fucked over with is I, when I was younger, always would do the right thing because that's what I would want to do in real life. 
as trying to be a good natured human being, but it always like bored me because I'm playing a game. It's supposed to be fantasy. It's supposed to be different, right? So then like as I got older, I wanted to always do the bad thing because I wanted to be different than what I do in real life. But then I would make all these weird choices that didn't feel natural to me. And I can never decide like, like that was back when video games were a little more black and white, like good or bad. Now they've evolved in a way that I like. I, I like it now because there's like, there's several decisions you can make, and like you said, Josh, there's more gray to it. So that's something I always run. How do you? So my big one. Um, sorry, I guess I should let you guys respond to that. I don't know. That's a conundrum I have. Am I the only one that deals with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're right. A lot of the early decisions were not so much decisions as you know. Well, I'll save here and then pick both answers so I can see the different yeah. endings. Um. <laughs> Sort of. Well, I guess what I mean is like, like Fish, yeah. you're a good guy in real life. Do you get bored being a good guy in video games? Uh, it depends on the game. Like, if I'm really invested in my character and I have a sort of goal of what I want to see him as, like for Shepard, yeah, I would, I would want to be good. You know, guy who's going to save the universe and everything, and not go down the renegade route but then there's always a side of me that's just like oh well i think this could have played out a lot more better if i was just a renegade and maybe i would have enjoyed it a little bit better so mm-hmm. yeah i i do have that conundrum every once yeah. in a while as well yeah the, the thing that bothered me about that was specifically the point system because you got rewarded for doing just one or the other and like mm-hmm. And so basically I made the game harder for myself because I I chose stuff just depending on what I actually felt all the way through the Mass Effect series, mm-hmm. which was so really like rewarding. Back yeah, and back, and forth, back and forth. And so basically I had <laughs> right. no points for yeah. either of those trees throughout the entire game. Like eventually after all three games, Neutral. I was I was, <laughs> you know, starting to push towards the Paragon side a little bit, but it was still fairly know, neutral. Yeah. So it was like well, and that's it's okay, though. Strange. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it wasn't cool. rewarded. Like, it specifically disincentivized thinking for yourself. Yes. Like, they true. always let you know yeah. directly, like, right up <sighs> front, like, this is the yeah. good thing to do. This is what, the bad thing you, to do. Whereas, the problem is, as gamers, when we know yeah. it's a game, mm-hmm. we know what's going on behind the scenes. You're like, oh, this decision will change a stat. Oh, my stats. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, I feel like if they just didn't show you that, it you would be no better. Idea. It would just yeah. be better. Like, let you make the decision, mm-hmm. and if things turned out well, they turn out well. But I feel like just knowing that information lets you turn off your brain for 99% of those decisions. Yeah, I think that's why part of Telltale games have been so good, is because it doesn't mm-hmm. affect your stats. It doesn't affect anything other than knowing that the choice you made could essentially be life or death for someone else. Yeah. And it's, it's an, it's like an extreme level of moral choices in gaming, but yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like at the end of the day, like I'm making the good or bad choice. I'm making the choice that I think makes the most sense for survival for myself and or my group at the time. And then you have to kind of live with those consequences. Yeah. That's why I've always been invested in that, that series, uh, the Walking mm-hmm. Dead series from Telltale. They just, they just that. freak me out because they have the timer. They like make you make that decision so fast that it yeah. freaks me out. Cause it's like, it's like, I'm like, Oh no, I can't decide. I want to, like, yeah. 
I actually I, I enjoyed that just you. for that reason. Because pressure, yeah, pressure the, the pressure makes it. It it, it feels a whole lot more realistic as far as you know. Well, the zombies are oh, trying oh. to kill both of these people. Let me stop and <laughs> contemplate my. Wait, let me get yeah. a sandwich and think Wait, about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I one thing that I regret about that series, and I regret myself doing because I don't have good self control sometimes. Is oh, you can, no. and I hate admitting this, is you can pause the game. Oh no! Any point. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, so there have been a few times <laughs> where it's like it's been the hardest of choices, um, like the end of season two of that game mm-hmm. was another super difficult choice. Um. You basically have to choose between two people, whether they live or die. And they've been two people who have been with you for pretty much the entire season of that game. And I was like, I can't choose this. Like, not this quick. So I, I, honest to God, paused it, sat there for five minutes. And I'm like, fuck, what what do I want to do here? (laughs) Like, which which way do I want to go? And it's like, that's not even close to real life. I wish Telltale would have taken that feature out when you have mm. those when you have to make those choices you can't pause it because there are assholes like me who don't have good self-control <laughs> yeah it's just like fuck i can't do this panic I, hit the panic button which is something uh, you can't do in real taking life. The, yeah, t- <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like I've, I've definitely gone through those games again and not paused it granted i already know the outcome of some of them some of the choices but Sometimes I make the opposite choice, even though I already know what the outcome is, because I want to see what happens. I just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I wish that they would have integrated into their games is the ability to not, not the, the like the ability to pause, not be there. National take game. out that pause, yeah, right, mm-hmm. yeah, but go all the way with it, go all the way, right, like you live and die by Hardcore. your choices. Um, I was too much of a coward to do that. Yeah, I. I I had choices made for me a lot of the time in that game because like they were they were just way too hard to make in the time given, but I mean yeah. that, that was that was kind of, I felt like that was the point they were trying to make, but yeah, right, right, um, yeah, yeah. I mean there there are definitely a few times that happened to me too where like I'm like I'm sitting there trying to figure out what I want to do. And I'm like, oh shit, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm like looking back and forth between two or four options. Mm-hmm. And then it just happens. And you're like, uh-huh, this is exactly how real life works. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes those choices, you're given those Boom. choices. I'm like, well, don't, and they're both Your, your brain doesn't work fast enough, they pass you by those opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Although, I, I was, this is like, so me and Fish always joke about sometimes how we live with our, some of our terrible decisions we make. It's like, I already make bad enough decisions in real life as it is. Do I really need to have play a game where I can just continue to make poor decisions? Just like, you go to video games uh, to escape from those poor decisions just to play yeah. video games to make poor decisions, yeah. Let me have terrible consequences for my horrible actions and fucked up judgment. Yeah, All I right. be a piece of shit in fake life and real life. Woo! Mm. Uh, I, the one that weirdly sticks with me because I made fun of it at first was the one from Resident Evil 7 because uh, at the end of the game, you basically, spoilers, you have to choose whether you want to give the antidote to your uh, missing wife who's been gone for a while and was turned into a crazy monster lady or this girl named Zoe 
who was infected, but she had been helping you the whole time she was there. And I remember laughing when you guys first, because I didn't finish the game the first time I played it. I got like halfway through and I was like, eh, whatever. And then I, I ruined the ending. We talked about it on the podcast and I was like, that's fucking dumb. And then I got PlayStation VR and went back through the game and I got really into it in VR. Totally changed the game. And I was like, man, Zoe actually is probably the better choice in so well let's put it this way it became a real conundrum because zoe like legitimately saved my ass while i was in this horrible predicament while my ex-wife was trying to murder me but at the end i got to the point where i could turn her back into the woman she was because this wasn't really her fault she had been lying to me that, about her job and what she had been doing on the side working for this company so she had to put a lot of deceit but she wasn't a killer or a bad she was just deceitful and that had put her in a position where she was taken over by this family and and they did horrible things after this no there's the virus anyways the point was they both became sympathetic she genuinely was helping me and my wife who i almost didn't want to help but i knew that if i did heal her she would be more like the person she was but she had deceived me and, and been lying to me for years about what she did for a living, which was the whole reason she had been out there in the first place on the tanker. So that conundrum actually had weight. Um, whenever you guys first told me about it, I was like, that's ridiculous. Of course you're going to take your wife. That's why you're fucking there. This is stupid. But I, my, I was, everything changed. So I thought yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. That was a hard choice. That was a really hard choice um, to make. I, I remember that. That was... That was, like, the only part of the game where I was, like, truly, like, yeah, this is great. This is a great segment of the game, making that choice. For me, it wasn't mm-hmm. that, like, it wasn't too difficult. I had to think about it for a tiny bit, but I was like, yeah, no way I'm choosing Zoe. <laughs> like, I appreciate your help, but no way I'm choosing you. Yeah, and I think most people take that route. And it's hard, but it sucks because when you leave Zoe, you actually feel bad. You're like, this is a good person who's mm-hmm. fucked, and I want to help them, and I can't. Yeah. I think the Zoe ending Zoe is better. And... It's just better. Like, it's an actual horror ending. Like, whenever you... I mean, you... if you take Zoe? Yeah, if you do. Yeah. Like it's... If you choose Zoe, yeah. yeah. Like, it, yeah. it feels right compared to the other one, which is just... Definitely. Meh. But yeah. Well, I think you take her and then you get like sabotaged anyway in the swamp. I think either way you get sabotaged yeah. in the swamp and taken mm-hmm. captive. Um, but the outcome is very different. So, yeah, it sucks. I think if they could have had you interact with Zoe more while you were there, I think it would have been more effective. If I would have mm-hmm. if I was talking to developers, I would have been like more like a couple there's a couple times in the game where you come across people and you interact with them. And you're sort of like just watching them talk and you're talking back to them or whatever. If you could have had a couple moments where you're interacting with her and you could see her and talk to her and get to know her, I think the bond would have been a little more interesting. I, think, I don't think you even see her until the end of the game. Uh, you just talk to her. And mm-hmm. it's hard to, to... So that's what I would do differently about it. But it was interesting. It was, it was kind of a, uh, yeah. a, t- a tough conundrum there. Um, if you're into that game. But there have been a lot, and I, I got a bunch of good responses here. Maybe they'll bring out some of the ones you guys were thinking of, too. Um, are at Sword Chomp Instagram community every Thursday. We do the question of the week. I wanted to grab some of these for you guys to discuss. Um, our good friend Akun Matata said one that he brought up was Knights of the Old Republic. And Knights of the Old Republic 1, there was an area where you could aid your Wookiee companion tribe or keep them as slaves. And there's a lot more in Kotar, but that's, yeah. Knights of the Republic had a lot of really good ones at the time. That was like back in 2003. So it felt a lot different. It felt like it was revolutionary at the time. Um, 
KOTOR is a really good one. And they ended up making Mass Effect. You know, Bioware ended up moving on from that series to make Mass Effect. So it was sort of the evolution. Um, Tyson Soros said, Most games cop out and make it a good or evil decision opposed to an actual moral conundrum. That makes you think, which we were kind of talking about. Um, <laughs> Headquarters said, Tough moral decision in gaming for me deal with whether or not I want to buy a video game from a certain company. <laughs> Games from EA, Activision, and sometimes Ubisoft make me really second-guess whether I want to support their publishers and developers when they keep nickel and diming their players for shady microtransactions and loot boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's the real moral conundrum. Should I spend $60 on a fucking Electronic Arts product? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Definition, there were times in Mass Effect where I just had to put the controller down and walk away while thinking things over, like the Rachni Queen, or having to choose behind, choose whether to leave behind Ashley or Caden. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, come on. Who, who left Ashley behind over Caden? Come on, Caden was a loser. I'm just kidding. I don't remember Caden, but come on. <laughs> I'm surprised I mean, the, the bigger choice there wasn't the choice between which uh, race of people lived or died in Mass Effect 3. Cause that was a really hard choice to make too. Like whether you kill the Geth or, um, well, Ashley or Caden was mass effect one, right? Right. Yeah. yeah but I'm just, I'm surprised oh, that okay. one hasn't come up yet. Yeah, that's true. That's such, maybe it's cause it's such a large scale decision. You don't really feel it. Is that possible that when a game's like, everyone's going to die, you don't feel it as opposed to like an intimate. Well, they both tell you they want to be left. So <laughs> leave us. We want to fuck each other. Leave us behind. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, they both think they deserve to die is the big issue there. So, like, yeah. They both, yeah. They're dealing with guilt issues. Yeah, so you yeah, you get to that point, and it's like, all right, which one of you do I actually think, you know, is justified in these suicidal feelings? (laughs) Yeah, and then kind of leave them to that. That's a real conundrum. (laughs) What is that called where you're like assisted suicide that's real controversial? What is that called? What's the term? Physician assisted suicide. A good Kevorking. Nope. <laughs> that's that's the next Mass Effect game. Mass Effect, a good Kevorking. Um <laughs> Well, that's horrible. WJ WJ Danilo said Walking Dead season uh, one. Um the scene is Kenny's kid. I'd say I'd shoot to help Kenny, but then I just waited hoping the scene would end, but nope. So mm-hmm. do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep. There's a scene. I think it's the third or fourth episode where yeah. Ducky, Ducky gets infected, um, gets bitten, and yeah, uh, basically Kenny is like, no, 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 he'll be fine, he'll be fine. And then towards the end of the episode, he comes to terms with like, yeah. it's Ducky ain't happen. fine. Yeah, Ducky Bucky, ain't fine. <laughs> Ducky ain't fine. <laughs> so you kind of have to make the choice of whether or not you're gonna do it or you're gonna let someone else do it, and then. It doesn't end up mattering. Like you make the choice. Like it matters because, like, it matters in your relationship are... with Kenny more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It depends on your relationship with Kenny, which is important. But at the end of the day, the wife decides she's going to do it and does it, and then offs herself. Uh, All right. Wait. Yeah. Sounds like so... a pleasant game. Sounds like a real <laughs> pick me up kind of an experience. <laughs> Uh, it's well. That's that's the thing. That's why the game is so good. That's why the first season is so good. It's like your moral choices yeah. 
aren't a good and evil choice. It's like, who lives, who dies? How is this going to affect the rest of the camp? Like, of course, you don't want to kill a kid. But if you don't, <laughs> if you don't come to grips in terms with that, it could kill the other kids in the camp. It can kill the other people yeah. in the camp. And it's a matter of survival. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to hear that. Like, I'm sure for you guys, more so than me being a parent. And hearing, oh, well, you know, there's a game where I have to kill a child. What the hell is this? But when you put yourself in that world and you integrate yourself into that, you realize, okay, well. I think about this a lot, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's like the whole thing with The Road, like, by Cormac McCarthy. is just the choices made in that, in that book, in that movie, same thing. It's, you think about, like, yeah, there's some fucked up choices you're going to have to make at the end of the day. And do I do it because of the moral choice or do I do it because of the survival choice? Why am I making this choice? Why is the choice here being made? And that's what makes season one so damn good. I I think about that in my head sometimes. Like if my daughter got bit by a zombie and I knew that she was going to turn and everyone wanted to have moral, I would just take her and I would leave the camp. But look, I I get it. We're going to leave the camp. We're going to take off. It's been nice. And then I would just be, I would just go out that way. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't tell them, I wouldn't let them put her down, and I sure as hell wouldn't be able to do it. Um, so I'd probably just take off and then just, who knows? I don't even know at that point. I don't want, but that'd be tough. Like, what, you're, whenever I see those things in games or movies, I try to think, what if that was my daughter who was bitten and infected and I really had to make a real decision about what I was going to do? I try to play it out in my head for fun. Well, guess what? You don't have to wonder. Just go play The Walking Dead Telltale, and you'll uh, and you'll get to well, live that. It's not my kid, though. It's just going to be some kid that I found. Uh, you'll see. If you ever play it. <laughs> um, fair enough. Uh, Naaman said probably the entirety of Spec Ops The Line. The decisions in that game really push moral boundaries. None of us played Spec Ops The Line, did we? I never got no. around to it, no. Dark spot in our, our history, but I hear that one... People have said good things about it. Um, Messi Valoni said Witcher 3, either killing the orphan children or the Baron's abused wife. Those were some tough scenarios for sure. Really, really, really rough stuff. Uh, the Space Ranger. There's a mission in The Witcher 3 that always gets to me. You, like, reach a crossroad in Velen where a group of villagers are trying to hang a Nifgardian deserter. And you can either let them kill them or fight for him. At the end of the ordeal, if you decide to help... Um, the Nifgardian. Geralt says something like, now four men died instead of one, and that always made me feel like shit. Like, is it more ethical to kill a mob of villagers or just let them kill a defenseless man? Uh, just a gray area of war. You know, you have to kill four people to save one person, but... Ugh. Yeah, What's those four Nazis four had families. Yeah, I... Well, that's what I'm wondering about these people that were gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's that's true though. What is the quality of the human beings that are being killed? You know, it's less about the number and more about the mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Sebastic Twelve said the end of Life is Strange season one. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play that, Josh? Is that on your? Yeah. F- it says. Uh, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, it's really good. The the ending. I kind of. I wasn't as big of a fan of it as a lot of people were. Um. They give you they give you a big ending and 
basically the entire the entire run. I'm not going to do maze your spoilers, but the entire series is kind of about dealing with loss, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's kind of the stages of grief and stuff. Um, abstractly, um, it's it's a game about time travel. Is you know, you you have power yeah. to 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 travel through time for short distances and be basically. Basically, all those times you would sca- save scum in other games, you you can just go back in time and fix your mistakes. Is kind of the thing. Mm, but okay. the 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 whole idea of it is dealing with with loss and with grief. Um. And then the last decision. Um. The the way they frame it, I don't feel like it. They make a logical leap about what will happen with each outcome that I wasn't completely on board with. So I ended up, you know, basically, you you, Chloe. yeah, you have to, you have to choose between the entire town or your friend. Um, yeah. And they frame it in such a way that, Oh, if you choose to let your friend die the way they should have at the beginning, because the whole thing starts off with you saving them, saving their life. And, gotcha. and that was, gotcha. that was the major thing, but the way they frame it as if this is a completely guaranteed outcome. Like, obviously, if you just let her go back and just let her go, let her die when she was supposed to die, it'll save everything. But there's not really any evidence to support that. It's just kind of a logical conclusion <laughs> that you've all jumped to. So I'm like, why would I go back and do that uh, if I'm not okay. sure it'll save everyone? So They're saying, well, it looks like the beginning of this all started with her, so yeah. we just kill and, her. And, 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 like, as far as the metaphor goes, just, you know, like, dealing with grief and stuff, it's... It's great. Like, it makes sense. Like, you know, actually letting go. You've had all this extra time that no one actually would to help you grieve. Um, it makes sense to actually finally be able to let go. But like I said, it, the way it's framed, because the whole thing is very supernatural at this point. Why, why would you come to that conclusion? Like, there's no logical reason to come to that conclusion based off of, you know, the actual world, world they present you with. And that always kind of felt a little bit awkward to me, but but other than that, it's it, it's it's really good. It's a really really good, really good game. Good one, uh, Sammy. Jink- Thanks for that, Josh. That's helpful. I'm sure they'll appreciate that commentary. Uh, Sammy Gene eight fifteen said Mass Effect. A few times in Detroit, become human. Those games really made me stop and feel like a terrible human. Um, that's what they meant by become human. You'll become a terrible human. Uh, <laughs> Detroit, become a terrible human. That's, that's a game. I want to <laughs> well, play. you know what? That that sounds about right. That's a, that's my kind of game. Um, Daniel OFDC said, "I love this sentence. It's so fucked up sounding. The whole throwing a baby in the oven to save a possessed Jarl really messed with me. That's The Witcher Three for you. Um, <laughs> also, I fucked up everything with Siri. I'm a horrible dad." Um, this is funny, Josh. Epidemic, one of our good friends and VIPs, said, "A way out," which I know you guys hated, but I loved. Um, I played with my nephew and we both had such a bond with each of the characters that the ending was very difficult. Now, when we were playing it, Josh, I remember we both looked at each other and said, man, the ending of this game is actually really, really well done, even though we hated the game. But there's a scene at the end where you're in a trailer and you're like, I believe you're delivering the news to his wife about him being dead. And they just kind of show, they just kind of show, well, depending on who you pick, I guess it's probably a choice. Kind of game. You know, I'm trying to go back and remember how that. I think the out, biggest but... issue for us was that a lot of it was cliched. Like it was really well done. Like it really was. But like I, it kind of near the end, it. I wasn't. 
like I'd seen everything coming for way too long up at, you know, at that point. And part of that's just kind of, I feel like how much you, you know, have consumed of like crime drama and stuff like that. Um, whether you not whether yeah. or not you kind of see some of that stuff coming will really drastically change how that game affects you. I think. Uh, uh, the ending was well done. I just yeah, I just not not a lot in that game worked for me. But I don't we don't have to uh, rain down on it right now. But I do remember the ending being real well done when he tells her that news in the trailer and the camera's like outside the trailer, yeah. so you can't hear her crying or breaking down, but you just see it happening, and it's it's just like it's the 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 time with his family. Is probably the best stuff in the game, like, like you're like you're mentioning the end there, you know when you know given depending on the outcome, you know like the yeah, choice yeah, we made playing with the kid in yeah. the yard and stuff. But yeah, yeah, playing with the kid in the yard, like the first time you go through there, it's it's really well done. Like they're they're able to make you sympathize with him and his situation really well. Um, yeah. Um, the Arch Druid said, Fallout 3, should I blow up Megaton or should I definitely blow up Megaton? So, <laughs> decisions. Um, I don't know if this, somebody made a really ranchy, raunchy joke, which I appreciated, because I put the two um, ladies from Resident Evil on the, the picture for the show for that decision. And this one guy said, two girls, one cure, which I'm pretty sure was a two girls, one cup joke. Uh, and I'm all about that. So, Modef un- underscore Todd, you dirty, dirty, dirty fellow, you. Yeah. <laughs> like, two girls, one cure. <laughs> it's not as bad. You have to really know where he's coming from. Two girls, one cure. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess you never heard of that. Last one. Hunter Schlilt said, I still remember the agonizing choice in Infamous, one to save Cole's girlfriend or save the innocent people who are trying the hero run. I screwed the whole run trying to save Cole's girlfriend. So apparently, I'd never played that, but it sounds like trying to save Cole's mm-hmm. girlfriend had a disastrous effect on everything. Yeah. You always try to save the girlfriend. Yeah. Bite you. That was another one that, like, the choices were interesting, but they had, like, a Paragon Renegade system as well that kind of felt like it forced your hand a little bit, even though a lot of the, a lot of the actual choices in that game were, you know, pretty interesting, other than that system kind of taking the choice away from you a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks everyone for chiming in. Um, fun topic. I think a lot of interesting ones. I, they covered a lot of them. I mean, I could go back, but they've evolved a lot. I wonder if red dead redemption will have any, from what I was hearing, that game is full of just stories. Everyone who plays it has like a different experience that plays out. And I'm, I'm excited to see if we have a bunch of cool stories to share with each other. Much like Skyrim back in the day when we were just like, dude, all this weird shit was happening to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's, yep. that's going to be fun. Morality yeah. in games. It's true. Um, uh, you know, maybe that stripper will pass that compass, Fish. You know, just get her some, uh, what's, what's that? Uh, Metamucil. Just get her some Metamucil and it'll all be good. Um, we had some good polls this week that I wanted to talk. That's that's <laughs> her stripper name, Metamucil. <laughs> uh, oh, um, 
It's just a bunch of shit balls out. Anal beads, a compass, you name it. Your dignity. Um, my ripped home oh, no. You have to have dignity to lose it, am I right? That's true. We'll just let that hang in the air for a little bit for our listeners. Just let it just kind of taste it on your tongue. Um all right, so we had some good pause this. Oh, that was that was the deal breaker right there? The yeah, the licking sound? It. That was it. Um, uh, so the first poll, let's start with some fun ones. Uh, jumping flash. We argued about that earlier. Um, me and Shay were fighting about all week, whether jumping flash was worthy of being on the PlayStation classic. So I was like, I'm going to do a poll on it next week. And Shay was like, do it now. Put the poll up right now. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I asked the listeners, I said, had you even heard of jumping flash before the PlayStation classic was announced? 75%. Of our audience and voters said no. How do you feel about that, Shay? I feel fine with it because, like we were talking about in private, it wasn't as pivotal of, of a game in America. I, I had some friends who had heard of it and played it and enjoyed it, but I know it was overshadowed here by Crash Bandicoot, and it, it just was a bigger game in Japan. It was freaking huge in Japan. Um, it was one of the first games that came out with the console here and so i knew i knew it was a pretty big game and i understood that it was on there's a reason why it's a playstation classic but to like to hear well (laughs) to hear you say no one had ever heard of it and that it didn't belong on the playstation classic to me didn't make any sense because i know i know the history of that game i know that it was big in japan so that that prompted the argument. I'm I'm fine with it being. I think it was like 26 or 27 percent that said that they ha- actually had heard of it on the poll. I'm fine with that. At the end of the day, I mean, it doesn't. The the argument between no, you're not. You're was, secretly mad about it. You're stewing it. on the inside. <laughs> you're secretly stewing on the inside. I was a little pissed at the beginning because I was like, "No way, motherfucker!" But <laughs> no, nah, I'm good now. I'm good now. It's it's fine. Um, that you'll see, you'll play the game and you'll understand why it's a lot of fun. You, pr- it might not be as fun for you now, like because you don't have that nostalgia with it. But it is a super fun game. It's a super fun action adventure game. I'm just coming to the terms with the fact that I'm sure it's fine. I'm just coming to terms with the fact that Final Fantasy VIII will probably not be on the PlayStation Classic, but Jumping well, Flash will. All right, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a fucked up world worth, to live in. For for what it's worth, Morgan, I would rather have Final Fantasy VIII than Jumping Flash on the system. Well, I hope so. Our whole friendship could fall apart at this very moment. Um, so yeah, nothing maybe, of value maybe... would be lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was gonna say that joke. Uh, you were saying Jumping Flash is bigger in Japan. I was gonna say, well, you're also bigger in Japan, but hey, very big. Hey, but don't well, heads, another head scratching decision from Sony. But um, well, we'll just we'll, there's, so this is interesting. I so Spider Man's been going all over the court. I can't talk. Um, <laughs> but I'm all right. Well, I'll drum myself back into proper speech. So Spider Man taking over the gaming world by storm. Uh, so I was curious, what do our listeners consider the pinnacle? Will they be Prisoners of the moment, Spider-Man, PS4, 
versus Arkham Knight, which was the most well-received, arguably, comic book superhero game up to that point. You can make a case Arkham City if you want, but the point was, you know, No one's that making series. that case. Everyone hated yeah, City. I'm, I know we did not like City, but I don't know if everyone hated City, Josh. I don't think I could say that with confidence. Um, I could. If they enjoyed City, they're not people. <laughs> he doesn't mean that. If you like City, we still love you. Um, the, <laughs> uh, the pinnacle of the genre. 65% of our listeners said Spider-Man. Now, come on, Josh. Are they being pinna- uh, prisoners of the moment, or are they right? It's close. They, they do different things better. Um, yeah. I feel like the... Spider-Man is really, really good. Like, just the, the quality of the, the story and the voice acting in Spider-Man is really, really good. Um, I feel like some of the side quests and stuff like that, just like fleshing out the world and stuff, are better in Batman. But, yeah. like, they, they both yeah. kind of have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, Definitely, yeah. Interesting, they, they balance each other out. Like, for example, New York is in Spider-Man, right? It's just New York. Gotham City is like a fantasy version of almost like a Chicago or something. Mm-hmm. Dipped in, you know, it's, it's, it's fantasy almost. And it's a more interesting place. Uh, traversal in Spider-Man is way more fun. Slinging around the city. Not yeah. that it's bad in Batman, because the Batmobile I actually fucking love. But um, yeah. it's hard to argue against, like, flying around the city like Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. Um, although Batman does glide and he has a grappling hook and he yeah, does a Batmobile, uh, they, kinda, are... they took a lot of what would be Spider-Man's movements ahead of time. Like yeah. he does an awful yeah. lot of swinging around for Batman. Um, he does, yeah. <laughs> just because it's but so much fun. Is very, it's a it's a stiff swing, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, don't get too excited, Fish, when I say stiff swing. But I was um, gonna yeah, say that's a... Fish's porn name, <laughs> Stiff Swing. Stiff swing. That's his, that's his new. That's his they new call Instagram me account. stiff. Stiff, stiff swing. swinger. Stiff swinger. Uh, no. Stiff swinger. Sixty nine. Big stiff swinger. <laughs> you guys are that's ruining it. Stiff swing sounds very manly, like you have like a dimple in your jaw. In your stiff chin, swing. yeah. Stiff Big swinger, stiff swinger sounds like you've sounds not like a, actually like been able to rap country artist. Well, that and you've not had your own teeth for the last two decades. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, but I, I think I don't really. I got a lot of feedback today because I posted a video about the game as well, Arkham Knight. Um, I don't know yet. I can't make a full judgment, but I will say that I think people. Spider-Man is always surprising about how popular it is. Like going back to the movies, like I was looking it up. Spider-Man three was the best, um, was the biggest box office film of that year. Spider-Man, the first one was a huge success. Like people just like Spider-Man for some reason. I don't know. Like I've been opened up to the lore of Spider-Man and I'm, I'm open to that. And I, and I, I think it's cool and everything, but I just, I'm fascinated by the world's love of Spider-Man. Even old people, like there was this guy in one of my training classes at the job I used to have. It was like 80 years old. And he was talking about how he read Spider-Man comics when he was a kid. Like, it's just one of those things that's been around forever and people really fucking love it. But Batman has always appealed to me a little bit more when I was a kid because it was very dark and grisly. Now, Batman, I'm going to be honest with you, he's not the most um, charismatic of characters. Um, he's <laughs> He just, like, 
Peter Parker is kind of annoying, but he feels like a more like a real person, whereas Batman is just sort of like a buff badass. He's like a vessel. He doesn't like so far as like the game and generally speaking, doesn't seem to have a lot of personality in Arkham Knight. That doesn't mean Batman never has personality. Like I think uh what's his name? Christian Bale did a pretty good job in the Christopher Nolan films, uh, for the most part. Um yeah. but uh yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I definitely... I, I, we we kind of mentioned this briefly when talking about Spider-Man, how it really feels like the focus of Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Whereas in yeah. Arkham Knight, the focus is everyone else that Batman interacts with. Yes. It really I, is. I, like, Batman happens which, to be there. Yeah. They all have these opinions about Batman, but the point is their opinions. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That's a good point. But the villains in Batman are are pretty interesting for the most part. Yeah. So, but I think that's why the side missions are better in Batman too, Josh. Because like yeah, you said, yeah, you you've got more diversity. They're based like the yeah. the Riddler, um, stuff that's basically just hidden all over the world. Stuff that normally would be just regular old collectibles in any other game. Mm-hmm. You have like puzzles. Like you'll see something that you know you're supposed to collect, but you have to figure out. You know, like a puzzle, something, something, something is just different about it, and you have to figure out what the Riddler was going for with a lot of these, and and that was really cool as far as just a what would have been a standard collectible in any other open yeah. world game. Well, there's he, the Riddler has those racing missions too, mm-hmm. those weird like puzzle racing things that are fun and frustrating as hell at the same time, <laughs> um, yeah. where you like do those weird, but they're fun. They're like puzzle racing things, which are interesting to me. Um, but the uh, a lot of the side missions are more interesting, like you said, like you're investigating murders and stuff like that. So it's yes, I agree. The world seems more interesting to explore to me than Spider-Man. Spider-Man feels like a little bit more fleshed out of a human being. Um, the yeah. traversal is about equal for me because I like the Batmobile a lot. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I, I will say this. It doesn't some of the vision. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I just I enjoy New York much more like I would never walk anywhere in Arkham Knight ever like it's it's what? it is not going to happen I'm oh, not going to walk okay. somewhere whereas well, in Spider-Man I will literally walk to the next place I want to go sometimes just in order to actually be down at street level and see what's going on in the city um really yeah oh, wow. like the way they handled okay. the actual city of New York is really good really really good um I don't think I was ever down at street level for more than a second because I was flying around. Yeah, yeah, the swinging is really good. But, like, in Batman, it doesn't hold up if you're just kind of walking through the streets. And in Spider-Man, it does. Um, But you have a Batmobile, so you wouldn't really mm -hmm. need to walk. Well, exactly. Exactly. And the city is a a complete war zone for most of that game. Whereas in Spider-Man, it kind of shows up near the end. But that's that's most of the game in Batman. (sighs) The, the, so. the, I think the interesting point that you made that I agree with is they sort of have different strengths and different problems. Mm-hmm. They're both great, but they, yeah, they do weirdly enough have different strengths. I yeah. think if you lean toward the aesthetic or maybe one or the other, so I don't know. It's tough. I, I just spent some more time with it. I'm not going to make a definitive answer myself, but it sounds like people are all, Spider-Man's hot right now, man. I can't get anybody like, <laughs> everyone's all about Spider-Man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It really is. Uh, and, but I finished it though, and I, I will say this, Josh. I feel bad because I was telling Rich that I thought I was at the end of the game, and I was said some stuff on our podcast, 
which I'm always fine about eating crow if I say something I disagree with about, about the end of the game being bad that I thought. But I was actually not at the end of the game. I thought I was. I was actually just at a section of the game that I really didn't like and I still think is terrible um, around the whole prison breakout thing. And there's like a mission or two after that. But there's like four hours after that of like gameplay and story and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's this. uh, Did you finish it already? Yeah, yeah, I I finished it. Okay. there's like this long section with the scorpion that was really cool. Um, There's there's there was a lot more game than I thought. So I I would retract what I said about the last third of that game being bad. There was just some rough spots in it one large spot in particular the end of the game is actually really well done I thought, yeah it was, it was pretty strong yeah um i don't think i'm as high on it as everybody else is but i finished it and i'm excited for the sequel did you see the secret ending without giving anything away and after the credits mm-hmm okay yeah so, it was not there's not that secretive yeah well it's, it's only a secret surprising. if you're not following the comics well, the person that they're yeah. using to become this person was different than I thought they were going to do. But apparently that person has become this person in the comics. And that's really horrible analysis. On a, that person became this other person. I don't want to ruin it for people <laughs> yeah. if they haven't finished it yet. But uh, yeah, pretty good. And, but Arkham Knight, I'm addicted to it right now. And it's like a yeah. three-year-old game. So Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's really solid. Like I, Whenever it came out, I couldn't really talk any of you guys into it because it's just another open-world Batman. And after... Yeah. City burned everyone. It was like, there's no way I'm talking you guys into it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it whenever I, I first played it. I think the one thing, and this is not a chance for me to talk more about Far Cry 5, which I enjoyed more than a lot of people did, but I think the one thing I enjoyed about games like that, Breath of the Wild is another example. I do like open world games that just give you like an intro of an hour or less and then just let you go wherever you want. Uh, Arkham Knight and both Spider-Man are not really quite that kind of a thing. I mean, Spider-Man sort of, but it's not, unless you're just doing fetch quest stuff. So, and, and Arkham's the same way. I'm loving it, but there's, there was only like one side mission I could do in the first little map. There was like literally two things. And then there was the bridge gated off the next area. It's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. I didn't really like it, the way they kind of just piecemeal gave you the city. I really yeah. enjoyed how in Spider-Man you could go everywhere as soon as they gave you control of the game, like instantly yes, you yes. could go to everywhere in the city. And instead mm-hmm. they kind of unlocked different side quests that you could do, different collectibles and stuff like that. So it, it gave you a reason to keep exploring the area instead of just getting you off to, all right, now you have this little chunk and then you have this little chunk. Yeah. Um, so. I, it, I guess they probably couldn't do it, but it would have been cool if Batman was just like, hey, go wherever you want. But they really want you to follow part of the story before they open stuff up. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the way it is. Whatever. Yeah, I just, it's just different. I, I really it's like, different. I enjoyed yeah, the way Spider-Man yeah. did it a little bit better personally, but yeah. Well, and Spider-Man isn't even like, there are a lot of games now that just turn you loose. And I find that I really love that. Even like in No Man's Sky, after the first 45 minutes, I can pretty much yeah. just fly wherever I want. Like, I yeah, love exactly. games that I, give me I freedom. I enjoy that freedom. Like, that's... That's one of my favorite things about No Man's Sky was that, you know, like you're kind of get it off just because you, you're low level, you're kind of weak, you can't really Resources. do much. Resources are yeah. tough at the beginning, but you can do whatever. Um, I mean, that's the best thing about Breath of the Wild. Like you've got a little tutorial while they kind of teach you in a smaller but still very large area how the game yeah, proper yeah. is going to work. And then and you can still you approach can, that area. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can approach it however you want. And then after you finish that one area, you can go to the rest of the map. You can go kill the final boss if you want. 
You can do mm-hmm. whatever you want. And that sort of trust is something a lot of games don't give you. So Yeah, exactly like that's exactly what Far Cry does. Exactly. I think you can actually go to the Middle Island if you want. Um, right away. I don't know for sure, but I think you can. You can go anywhere you want. Now, if you hate the game, it doesn't matter how much freedom they give you. But I'm just saying yeah. that... I don't know. I love like, If that. they had 40% more shovels, I probably could have finished the game. <laughs> the collector's edition, now with 40% more shovel. <laughs> I saw this picture of a guy putting a shovel in a bow and arrow, and he was like using the shovel as the arrow, and I was like, man... That's totally a Far Cry weapon. Like a giant bone arrow <laughs> right? that just launches a shovel. Mm-hmm. Decapitate fools. Fish needs purchasing help. What should he get? An Xbox One X or a PlayStation 4 Pro? Fish, do you have any idea what our audience said? PS4 Pro. 70% said that you should get a PlayStation. Next week, I should just do yeah. PC or PlayStation 4. I should just keep going with it to see. Um, how do you feel about that, Fish? They're all saying PlayStation 4 Pro, man. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm leaning towards, too. Eventually, when I make that big purchase, but going up to 4K, I do need a TV that'll actually, you know, take advantage of all that hardware, so. Do you? Josh said I didn't need one and if I was going to be sitting pretty. Well, if you're going to be like, a big giant home theater system kind of what are you thinking you got a rig idea set up in your head what you want to do uh just a ps4 pro and a 4k tv with hdr support i mean i mean like how big of a tv how big how big of a tv are you thinking at least 40 inches okay at least okay if i could get if i could get a good deal on like a bigger tv i would probably go for it but yeah yeah it's probably fine for a basement that is this is probably fine for a basement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to go for the Xbox One X, even though... I pushed him. I tried. I tried mm. real hard. Yeah. I even sent Shay's Xbox to him to try and sell him on the, the hard... The Xbox One X, I just... Game Pass, like, it's... Look, I'm not going to tell you if, you... if you want a PC eventually, too, I'm not going to tell you it's better than a PC. But, like... Xbox is doing so many smart things now. I don't dislike the PlayStation. I just, I don't know. That's tough. But I, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't critically sit here and tell you that the PlayStation 4 is not as good as the Xbox One X. I just, you know. Right. I can't. I can't. I can't. Especially now, you can download games on PS- PlayStation Now to your console as long as you check in every couple days so you don't have to stream games anymore. Now, they don't give you new games like Sea of Thieves. Um, uh, and you can't play CFDs on a PlayStation 4, which is a bummer. But you also can't play games like God of War and Spider-Man on an Xbox, which a lot of people would be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is what it is. Look, I, I objectively can't tell you that Xbox is better. I will say that technically it's more powerful, Fish. Technically it's got more power. And technically okay. there are no exclusives, so you're getting the exact same game on either console. No, no, no. Well. Th- he couldn't get Cuphead on PS4. He couldn't get Sea of Thieves yeah. on PS4. Yeah, and, and if you're ever going to play Cuphead in 4K, you'll... Uh... Oh, come on! <laughs> Maybe Cuphead looks great in 4K. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to play Spider-Man either because I've talked to Fish a hundred times about Spider-Man and he Spider-Man gets him about as hard as... 
What doesn't get you very hard? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what tough. turns you off. What really <laughs> turns you off? I gotta really think here. Mm. Intellectual conversations? Is that is that a boner killer? That that'll kill it, yeah. Okay. Yep. People like to talk a lot, yeah. <laughs> Job of the hut? That's a big killer. Leather couches. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Leather. Oh. Leather. Yo, you can't do leather. <laughs> but you're a corduroy, right? Yeah, he's a corduroy, corduroy. man. God. <laughs> Love them ridges. This <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> your shaft must just be fucking calloused, like powerful. Um, it see it seems in days. Yep, <laughs> it's war torn. Me, I'm rusted and weathered. All right, so uh, let me see here. Uh, this was an ancillary question. Doesn't really matter that much. I put Killer Croc up against Lizard Man. Of course, Killer Croc dominated Lizard Man because they both thought of them as like the same thing, sort of. Lizard Man and Killer Croc, they're kind of the same thing. Um, but Killer Croc, dude, have you got to Killer Croc in Arkham Knight, Josh? He looks fucking crazy in that yeah, game. I, yeah, he, I beat it when it came out, so. Um, he, I, he looks so fucking cool. The villains in Arkham Knight look so fucking cool, you guys. The detail. But um, Lizard Man is pretty badass, too. I would love to see Lizard Man... In the sequel to Spider-Man. I know yeah. his story it was, Like, they referenced a f- few villains they never got around to, so... Yeah. yeah. Did they reference Lizard Man in any Yeah, Lizard showed up. You had to, like... Um, somebody was dressed as him for Halloween, and so you had to find mm. Lizard. Um, oh, so that implies that maybe he's already ex- come and gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what Rich was mentioning with... Uh, Eight years later, or whatever. No, with the uh, uh, um, Mysterio, when we were talking about it last week, it's, oh, it's, it's kind of yeah. in the same section. So, well, I can tell you who the villain is going to be in the next Spider-Man game. But I think Lizard Man's pretty cool if you can make his backstory a little interesting. Um, but that's objectable. I mean, like if he was Fox Man, not as cool. Shark Man, even cooler. So literally, that comes down to nothing more than I think lizards are kind of cool, and he looks cool. There's not, I have no good reason legitimately about his backstory. I can't give you an intellectual answer. Just Lizard Man looks cool, but Killer Croc looks cooler. So there you go. Um, I did like the backstory about Killer Croc when he was hiding in the sewers. These, uh, these people were down there doing some bad shit, like disposing a body, and, and Killer Croc found them. Um, he's not a good guy, but he ended up killing these people that were like disposing a body in the sewers. And uh, there's, there's, there's a, little, a little lore on him, but it looks like he was just born that way. So he was just born with like reptile scales or something in it. Now it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but he looks cool. Um, this is an interesting one. Shay and me were talking about this a long time ago. I know fish, I guess it's probably more public knowledge now uh, that your life has changed quite a bit. But um, I was thinking about this topic because about being alone and how gamers by nature are potentially loners. Um, but a lot of gamers I know have families, wives, girlfriends, etc. And it just got me thinking, me and Shay used to have these discussions about like these TED Talks we'd listen to where, you know, what is loneliness, how people deal with loneliness. And it just got me thinking about how our community feels about that. So my poll topic was just very simple. I said, when it comes to loneliness, you had two choices. I would rather die than be alone, or I dig being alone. Obviously, I'd rather die is is tongue-in-cheek, and I think most people get that, came back 80%, I dig being alone, which really 
surprised me. It really, really surprised me. And I have my thoughts on it, but I want to throw it to you guys first. Shay, I will throw it to you first. I, I, I know this is something we talk about a lot. Um, yeah. And you're a man. You're in Japan. You don't have children or a wife. <laughs> yeah, that's I know. True. I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying you don't have a children or a wife or property. I still no, have Dwight I'm fine in the office. It. I'm fine with it. I'm I'm happy with that. As Josh said, I also don't have a tenga egg. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. Anyway, <laughs> I did once upon a time. Google um, tenga egg. No, I think part of the reason, like, there might be a partial bias there to that 80%. I think some people like when you answer a personality test sometimes you answer the with the answer you want to answer with and not what's the truth. Hmm. So I'm willing to bet a certain percentage yeah. of that is actually people just saying, you know, I like being alone because in all actuality they probably don't, but they wish they liked it more than they do. <laughs> yeah, they want to be. I'm willing to bet there's a slight percentage of that. And I'm not <laughs> knocking anyone for that. I've you no, know, no, I, yeah. there have been times where I'm prone to loneliness, but no, I think being, being alone is a really good thing. It's helped me personally grow as an individual because bef- before I came here, I always lived with roommates or my family, always. I had never lived on my own. And when I first got here, I was stuck in the Inaka, which is Japanese for countryside, for a year. And it was hard as shit. Because I didn't know anyone out there. And if I wanted to see anybody, I had to hop on a train, 40 minutes to an hour, about $6 one way just to see people. And no, that doesn't sound like a lot of time or a lot of money. But if you're doing that almost every weekend, it catches up really quick. So there are definitely times where I was like, well, I don't have the money to go see friends. So I would spend weeks going to work, and then coming home and sitting by myself. And Mm. you learn a lot about yourself when you're on your own, when you're not seeing someone, when, you know, you're kind of confined somewhere on your own. And you, you, for me, you learn to appreciate yourself, and you learn to, God, this is turning into gas station philosophy. Jesus. Um, <laughs> you you really learn a lot about yourself, and in terms of gaming, let me bring it back around to gaming. I I love both aspects of gaming, both sharing it by myself and sharing it with other people. I like being able to play games on my own, have my own experiences, but then coming out of those games and being able to talk about it with other people. I also like being able to playing games together. So, for example, No Man's Sky. I don't think I would enjoy that game by myself for an extended period of time. But playing with you, Morgan, playing with uh, Erica, um, who's been a guest on the show, it's kept the game a lot more interesting for me. And I've enjoyed playing that or back in the day when I used to play Call of Duty heavily. That's a big reason why I played that game so much is because I was always playing with friends and community. And there's a great, that's always great. But I do like playing games on my own a lot. And especially things with like JRPGs. Yeah. You know, for example. Yeah. No, I think, I think there's a lot of good points there. Like you were saying, the, oh, the, na- the nature of community and connection. Um, 
I want to let you guys. Fish, did you vote on this poll by chance? What did you vote? I didn't vote, but you're fired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I would probably vote, um, I'd rather be alone. Uh, yeah. I don't believe you. Oh, okay. Define it. Define it. Why? I'm just messing with you. I don't know. I guess, I guess because, like, yeah, I recently am separated with my wife, ex-wife, and it's something that I have to kind of come to grips with, um, now, um, even though, you know, it is a bit traumatic and jarring in life, thinking that you always be with this one person and not being with them is kind of struck me in a way that I need to reassess myself and realize that, you know what, uh, I could be comfortable alone. I mean, before I met her, I was alone, of course, so it's it's, it's something that I have to kind of rekindle in me and get used to again so i would lean towards that as opposed to just killing myself you know so well okay Jesus. i said rather <laughs> hey, whoa whoa i said rather so die i didn't say kill yourself i mean somebody else could you know well that's how i took you. it outsource oh, kill myself right. yeah remember we talked about that earlier kevorkian oh yeah i'll hire i'll hire josh He's like, look, I, I take no pleasure in this, but, uh, you know, do you think maybe you're answering that along the lines of, I want to be a, a little bit more, like, I want to be better at being alone? Um, yeah, being more comfortable alone, because I, I, I can see value in being alone. Like, you get to know yourself a little bit better, you get to do stuff that you want to do, um, and not have to adhere to somebody else's opinion, or um, make compromises as far as, like, what you want to do. Um, as far as life goals go. So being alone de definitely seems like it's kind of a drag. Like when when you say, oh, that guy's a loner, like it, it has very negative connotation to it, you know. But in all reality, that loner is probably the most freest man you know. Probably depressed, but he's free. Does, and does, <laughs> does freedom all... Well, there you go. Does freedom always equal? Content, you know, they say contentment is like, I, I was an interesting quote about basically contentment in life is usually what you, do you have what you think you should have or deserve? Like, are you at a place like from your job to your relationship to where financially, do you feel like you did where you deserve to be? Uh, and there was also like this quote about loneliness that I probably butchered from the Ted talk. That was basically like your value, like how much like loneliness, um, your worth is basically determined by like if you're hanging out with someone and they value you there, then you won't feel lonely because they're valuing your your presence or whatever it happens to be. Um, and there's a lot of different schools of thought. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Right. I mean, what, what is it to be alone anymore, Josh? I mean, even when we're alone, I mean, the way I, how many people are alone, but they're texting all day or playing video games with their friends or like, how alone are we really when we're connected at all times, you know? Mhm. Mm um Yeah, I mean you're kind of, you're as alone as you want to be at this point. Um granted, I mean not internet isn't strictly universal, but it yeah, you know, it's getting there. So you can 
in a lot of ways it's it, it's it's your own choice more than it's ever been but it's still it can it can be rough if you don't have a most of the friends you make in life are not people you would have chosen to be friends with we can just kind of put it that way you're you're stuck in a situation with people at school at work you've got you've got Thanks, a Josh. reason that you're well no i mean it's just that's that's <laughs> the just truth know, like it's yeah, like yes your paths crossed yeah and like whenever you're out there in the the wide open internet um you don't really get stuck somewhere with anybody in order to make friends in the same sort of way um yeah which even can, though the friendship is maybe less personal it's yes yeah, yeah you're right yes like, and it, it, that's not to say that like if you had if you had all the options in the world you wouldn't pick your friends it's more to say that you've not had to go through anything with people online a lot of the time and so that can kind of make it feel a little bit a little bit shallow so mm-hmm. um yeah they haven't suffered yeah yeah that's true like a lot of friendships can be defined by sort of experiencing things together right mm-hmm. so if you're alone and you're only experiencing things with yourself um that's that's tricky yeah. Um, yeah. Just being in a room with someone can make a big difference sometimes. So. Yeah, I would admit that I'm not really great at being alone. I mean, I, I one thing I think I enjoy my my time to myself now because I rarely have it. Um, like if you if you're married and you have kids or whatever, you're gonna see people all the time, so you'll cherish your alone time. But I mean, I remember when I was single. I would go like a whole week by myself and the weekend would come around. And if I wasn't dating anyone or something, I'd be like, I've already been alone this whole week. I don't want to be alone Saturday and Sunday too. And I would start to, you know, and then I'd be like going through my phone. Is there anybody I can call up here? I'm feeling sad or maybe something to play game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think we're human in that way. Like, I think balance is the key. I think really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, people want a good level. It, exactly. Balance. And that balance is different for everybody. Like some people yes. need a whole yes. lot more than than others like you know i'd be fine seeing somebody one day a week is kind of where i'm at but still you don't want to go forever without actually interacting with people yeah yeah me and my fiance worked out a schedule where i see her for two hours every night and uh it's about perfect that's about perfect like i see her more throughout the day you know it's not like but i mean our time together is like Mm -hmm. Two hours every night, and uh, that's perfect. I think because I can come home from work, have time to myself, and I we kind of relax for an hour and a half or so before bed. Um, but everyone, you're right. Everyone's different. Like some people would just be like, I want to come home and be my significant other for the next four or five hours of my night after my kids sleeping, and that's fine. Like everyone's got their own mm-hmm. their flow. Um, so I'm always curious when I meet people what they seem to thrive off of or like need or what have you. Um, like my fiance feels like she just can't she really really needs people like it she feels she gets anxiety and stuff so um i don't it's interesting i I feel like it, i know it's something t- fish has been going through and it's tough because uh, is is balance is off right now you know and your balance can be off when you're in a relationship too so um yeah w- what i think is interesting about the poll is that gamers came back 80 percent, and shay might be on to something i think which is that a lot of people might be voting with their wishful thinking a little bit like i want to be better I, I like the idea of being alone more than the actual reality of it. Um, and I think that's fair because as human beings, connection is important. Like if you have a chance, you should watch this thing on Netflix right now called Maniac. But 
connection, all the different ways we are connected to each other as a, as a humanity is, I think, vital to our existence. Even someone who's good being alone, like my, might be on their phone all the time or, or what have you. So I don't know. Connection is, is different. There's a lot of different facets to it. Um, mm-hmm. But gamers, by nature, seem to like being alone better if this poll is any indication. And maybe that's because the hobby is a, can be a solitary one of getting lost in worlds and just finding less loneliness inside of this fictional universe. And that doesn't have to be a sad thing. I know a lot of people out there be like, that's so sad. You have to get your, you feel comforted by these fake worlds. But like, I know for me, that's a big, like, I'm getting lost in these fantasy worlds. I don't have time to think about being alone because I'm immersed in this fiction or this fantasy or this, my imagination or what have you. So. Mm-hmm. That's the end of my rant. Does anything else? Anybody else have anything they'd like to say on the topic? Okay. Don't kill yourself. It's not the way. Um, interesting. You can't stop me. <laughs> uh, can't stop me now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just find a good strip club but no it's an interesting uh poll and i appreciate everyone who was honest if they were and i think that pretty much wraps up we did the spider-man we did the loneliness the purchasing help for fish the death match and of course the jumping flash uh, and remember if you want to support us patreon.com slash sword chomp that vip tier we love you we'll love you forever um we want to give a shout out to our patreon supporters that have come through for us um the vip supporters i think a three dollar tier as well we always do these funny little stories and shout outs to everyone that does that so this is our our loving like skit that we've put together for you and shay i'll let you kick it off you got it you got it (laughs) you got it all right you got it baby you've got it uh, no, we're not doing that. Alright, so. A city full of skyscrapers fills the horizon. The metal giants extend to the heavens, towering over the city's inhabitants. The man-made marvels both keep the public safe, yet invite delinquency. Oh, Zoom in, and you see a different picture. Streets are bustling with people and cars. Garbage literally and figuratively litter the streets, begging to be cleaned up and thrown in the trash. Speaking of, look at that. There's us. You're damn right. It is. The four of us and our idiot henchmen. Huh. Looks like we're going to rob that bank. Uh, damn right. I need to get paid. Morgan is blasting through the wall with grenades shooting out of his arm cannons. Motor man, as they call him. Indeed. Josh has burned the guards with some magma device. It's too complicated for me to understand it. Molterio? Badass name, huh? Yeah, apparently he's also Italian. Anyways. There I am bending the bars with my superhuman strength gifted to me from my machina clamps. 
Oh, you got the clap? <laughs> clamp. <laughs> clamps, fish, clamps. Brace man, they call me. Sweet name, nerd. <laughs> Brace man. <laughs> oh, and there goes... <laughs> oh, and there goes fish collecting all the money with his vacuum powers. Suck boy, they call <laughs> It's dirt devil, dick. <laughs> Look at that. Someone is trying to stop us. Let's listen in. I've got the money. Let's get out of this junk heap. It's always fun to steal from the rich. What the hell? It is I, Spider-Man. I cannot let you take this money. Your wicked web of, web of crime is coming to an end. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Holy shit, you killed Spider-Man. Squashed him like the bug he is. Anthropod. Whatever. Let's get out of here before the police come. A group of superheroes we have never seen before has shown up. Jesus, there's a ton of them. Looks like... Uh, fish, help, I can't count. Thirteen. Yeah, that. Thirteen of them. Thirteen superheroes. Looks like there is Rune Man, Hakuna Matoto Destruction... <laughs> Wolfen Gang, the robot P518, Epidemman, Red Blue Blitz, Ectoplasma Man, J Yit Man, That's a good one. Uh Melanimal. Cupcake Woman, Freaking Bacon Man, and the Bell Tower. <laughs> Wait, that's only 12. That's because the last hero just rode in on his soaring strudel. Oh my god, it's... The otherworldly, supremely badass, <laughs> mighty, extravagant, <laughs> ravishingly debonair Pop-Tart Man. Uh, any way we can make that shorter? Fuck no. Jeez, they're kicking our villain butts. We don't even stand a chance. Oh, Pop-Tart Man is taking all the money back to the bank. Great. Now they're making us swallow Motorman's grenades. <laughs> We're gonna die, aren't we? I guess so. <laughs> Wait, well, there's an explosion it. and he, he was still talking. I thought the explosion implied that he was dead, but then he said something afterwards. I survived. It's a joke! <laughs> <laughs> He's like a roach! You can't get rid of him! Can't kill him! But uh, thank you to the Patreon uh, <clears throat> subscribers. 
Thank you very much for continuing to support us. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this skit. I couldn't keep my shit together this skit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was a really fun one. But yeah, seriously, thank you to each and every one of you, whether you're on the $1, the $3, or the $5 tier. Thank you guys so much for uh, mm. continuing to support what we do and love. And we love connecting with you guys and making content for you guys. So thank you so, so much, each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely don't feel alone. We got a bunch of cool stuff on the Patreon VIP, like Tokyo Game Show picture. Shay, I mean, what better way to end the show than to tell us about your, your trip? How, yeah. We want to hear about it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, you know, we got to the train station. It was insanely packed. Um, as we get to the train station, there's just tons of video game stuff everywhere. It was awesome. Uh, surprisingly, you don't see that as much as you would think coming to Japan. Like, like the two the two images I had in my mind of Japan where everyone's playing a 3DS or a Switch, and there's ninjas <laughs> running around everywhere on the streets. Neither of which. Well, you happened, know what? Unfortunately, but I think you're coming to a poor conclusion. Obviously, the ninjas are playing 3DSs, and you're just not seeing either. That's yeah, true. That's true. That's true. They're too quick. Would you really mm -hmm. see the ninja? I, I yeah. mean, if the, if you see them, they're not a good ninja. Yeah. That's true. That's actually a really good point. I figured ninjas take breaks, though. Go <laughs> <laughs> get some Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I know. They're tired. They need something to eat. But, no, it was really cool to see all this, like, video game stuff entering the train station. We get there... There's some people handing out some Red Dead Redemption 2 flyers and some Rockstar stickers. We're walking to the venue, <laughs> and we get there, and I think I sent you guys the picture of how many people were there. That crowd was insanely big. That line was about an hour-long wait. Um, it was funny. The rain kept starting and stopping, so there'd be points where everyone would put up an umbrella for like three minutes, and then everyone <laughs> would bring it down for ten minutes, and then everyone would put it back up. But we finally get to the down, venue... And it was awesome. You enter, you see a giant Sega booth, you see uh, Konami and Kojima, you see all these booths, and you're like, oh, hell yeah. And there are peop some people bum-rushing certain areas, but the first place we entered was basically where all the indie games were and all the merchandise was. And I'm, I wasn't a big fan. Like I'm not a big collector anymore like I used to be, not anymore. Of like video games, swag, and merch. There's some cool stuff there. Uh, Morgan, you would have been amused. There was actually this booth where they had dead or alive stuff. And uh, it was basically mouse pads of like scantily cladly dressed women from dead or alive. And the, the bump up where you rest your wrist was either tits or ass. So Gross. like you're resting you your wrist kind of on. On, on on like squishy tits oh. or squishy ass. Oh god. That sounds awesome. Yeah, but you know how much each mouse pad was? Over two hundred dollars. Oh, not so awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking of I was like, you know what, I'm gonna buy one for one of my teachers as a joke and bring it to school. And then I saw that price tag and I was like, I'm not gonna buy one of those at all. <laughs> two hundred dollar joke, you yeah, know. Yeah, absurd. But we for me, we all, like, four of us went together. We all kind of split up and did our own thing for a little while. Mm -hmm. Like, we initially kind of wanted to go together, but we were like, 
you know what, we all want to see vastly different things. So we all kind of split up and we'd meet up inter interspersedly throughout the day. Um, but I immediately went to the indie booths with one of my um one of my friends and I started checking out some games. I tried this flight simulator game, which was horrible. Um I did not like it at all. I tried this game for the Switch that's actually coming out called Invisibles. And it's really cool. It's basically like you play hide and seek. It's super, super fun. I thought it sounded corny and lame as shit. It was super fun. It's like just a party game. It's yeah. basically you're a dot and you're in this like maze-like area. And you're, you're all invisible. And the only way you know if someone's there is if they press the, the main button to fire off to try and kill you. So that's how you know kind of where you're at. And the controller, as you're holding it, like vibrates in the direction so if like I go left to hit a wall, as soon as I hit that wall, it vibrates. And then if I go down, the controller vibrates down. It was a super fun game, super simple concept. I played that. So do you I like played... close your eyes? You like you no, don't need no, a no. screen to play it, kind of a thing? Because it sounds like it's all. It's like it's like a it's like think about like Tron graphics, um, a little bit, a little bit. Okay. Um, and the ma- it's a maze, and the screens black minus the border of the the maze and then your particular piece is black until you fire off to try and kill someone then it kind of lights up it's difficult to describe it you'd have to see it but it's super fun game um i played this game it was like a it's like it's like a super bare bones it's hard to describe is mario-esque you fire a gun and you just go left to right on these levels, but you also, like, the ground, you use your gun to, like, dig through the ground to get to certain parts of the level. It was, it was lightly fun. I don't remember the name, because it's not something I think I would ever purchase, but it was, it was fairly interesting. Um, I played a few different demos, and then the one I got to, which was super interesting for me, and this game releases in a few weeks, it's called My Memory of Us. Uh, it was actually probably one of the games that left the biggest impact on me. It's it's this game that basically this girl, the, like the premises, this girl finds this library book and she wants to check it out. And this the old man's like, do you know what this is about? Let me tell you the story. It's kind of the setup like I think of something like the NeverEnding Story or the Princess Bride, something like that. And mm-hmm. it's basically this guy, he wrote this story. Um, and it's allegorical of what happened during World War II. And um, basically, it's what I mean by allegorical is it's fantastical in the sense that, you know, the, 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 the sorry, the, the troops that came in during World War II, the German troops and stuff, um, you know, the Axis powers. They basically, like, this guy tells it in a, in a way, this fantastical way, to where it's like they're robots. And the the bombs are these, like, otherworldly type of things. And that's where the allegory lies. Because that's the way that his brain could kind of cope it with this. So it's told in this fantastical mm, like way. Like, metaphorical kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The game is just filled with that. It's, uh, it's this black and white style the music is wonderful in this game it's just it's super fun and it plays it plays kind of like brothers kind of like brothers um in that basically 
you have two characters and you can switch between the two and they can hold on to each other and you you have to navigate puzzles with both characters um each character has like a special ability like the like the girl um she can run really fast the boy can sneak so you kind of have to use those abilities uh the fun the funny thing about this game was as i started up the guy's like um oh put the headphones on put the headphones on so i put them on and immediately i hear pat uh patrick stewart's voice i was like captain picard <laughs> i was like what the fuck and like i'm thinking like this is an indie game so i'm like no way like but the more i hear it i'm like there's no other person who has this voice in the history of ever so i look at the guy i'm like he comes back over and i'm like is this patrick stewart is this who i think it is and he's like oh yeah like he's got this head nod like oh (laughs) Oh, yeah yeah Yeah, you know who we got so they actually like he told me this awesome story of basically how i was like how did you how did you manage to get him to do it and like Basically, what happened was they emailed Patrick Stewart and his agency. They're like, we have this idea of this game. We'd love for you to do it. And they're like, okay, yeah, um, just know, like, we're going to be honest with you up front. It's going to be a lot of money. We know you're an indie company. So we just want to, you know, give you that disclaimer. And they're like, yeah, fine. Here, we'll send you the script. Uh, Patrick Stewart and his agency read the script, seeing exactly what they were trying to do with the story. And they're like, we'll do it for way less than what we normally charge. Because Oh, wow, that's cool. Because yeah. they, like, they love they the story that it. much, what they were trying to do with it. So um, I'm really excited for that game. It comes out here very soon. So that's one game I'm definitely going to be playing this fall. It's an awesome, awesome game. Is it just a so, Switch? Um, I think so. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to come for gonna, not just the it? Switch. Not just the Switch. Oh, okay. It's coming... It's coming for all platforms, actually. I know it's coming for the PS4. Yeah, it's PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and Microsoft Windows. So it'll be available for all three. Um, Actually, if you pre-order it right now, it's 15% off on Steam, which is, uh, I don't know if that's something anyone is interested in. But how did you um did how did you find that big statue of Norman Reedus? Was there like a line to get to that thing? <laughs> yeah, so let's get there. So that that was um that room was Norman full Reedus. of indie games, merchandise, and VR stuff. Uh the VR okay. stuff I, I browsed at. I didn't I didn't really spend as much time there as I wanted to. Like they had virtual virtual reality dating simulator and like the perfect <gasps> boyfriend, the perfect girlfriend. I didn't do that shit. Um it, some of the it's stuff looked cheesy. pretty cool though. Some of the okay. stuff looked pretty cool. Um, they, had, they had this crazy thing. I sent you guys a video where someone was wearing a VR helmet and doing an exercise bike that moves around. That was kind of cool. Um, but I didn't really spend much time there. So then I went to the other hall. Um, I ended uh-huh. up actually going with um, two, two of the friends that I went with briefly. And it was, they were huge, dude. This is where all the demos were. This is where all the big name companies were. Um, in this hall, we saw, um, we saw, like, Kojima had their stuff set up there, Sony had their stuff set up there, uh, Nintendo, all the stuff, like, all the big names were in there, and we saw this huge Resident Evil 2 booth, I, I wanted to play that game, so I get in line, because I thought it was getting in line to try the demo, it was actually getting in line to get a ticket to play the demo, 
the following day. That's how big it was. <laughs> yeah, wow. so it was just insanely packed. Um, we walked around. We saw the Sony booth booth a little bit. They were talking about the new Kingdom Hearts game, and then walked around a little bit. And then we found this picture section, and there's there's pictures you could take with for um what was that new zombie game coming out? Oh, uh, ah, fuck the Sony one. Fuck. God damn it, that's... Oh, well. Yeah, so you could take a picture, like, on a motorcycle while there's a backdrop of a bunch of zombies chasing you, which I surprisingly didn't do. Um, there's the Norman... Yeah, that would have been a fucking total... Oh, that's such a shitty picture. I know, I know, right? (laughs) Um, there's the Norman Rita statue, and there's a pretty big line for that. I had to wait for a good 15-20 minutes to take that picture. And then there is the Ghost of Tsushima. Um, there's a line for that. And there are actually two samurai there taking pictures. But I was like, you know, I'll get the Norman Reedus picture first, and I'll head over there and get the picture with the two guys. One of the guys went on break, and I was pissed. Because that guy, they both looked awesome together, but one on their own. I mean, it was still awesome, but it wasn't as awesome. And, um, God, that, that, that was super funny taking those pictures because it was more of like seeing what other people were doing with the pose. Like, so some people with Norman Reedus, they're like, just like posing like nervously. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this statue. <laughs> some other people were like trying Swags. to pose all badass with the statue. And like the ghost of Tsushima one was awesome. It. Like those guys had like a super cool attitude. Um, like people were like posing like all badass and shit and they were just having fun with it. So it was really fun. Uh, taking those photos. The Ghost of Tsushima one, there was almost no weight. So Yeah, well, they were good. they were just regular-looking dudes. I couldn't tell. I was like, why is there just some weird... Is this a cosplayer? I was like, why yeah. is Shay setting with this? Yeah, no, it was, it was just fun. It was something to do. It's something I've never done, so I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it. There were a lot of cosplayers at the event. Like, um, I actually didn't send you guys this picture. Um, I didn't want to be creepy and rude, because they were just walking around. Oh. <sighs> But there are two people dressed up as Final Fantasy VII characters, one of which was Rude. And... Wait. Wait. Rude's the bald one. Who's the guy with the... No, that's Reno. That's Reno. I mix these two up all the time. Who's the one mm-hmm. with the red hair? That's Reno. Reno. That's Reno. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. I was right. Okay. Yeah. Reno. Someone was dressed up as Reno, and someone else was dressed up as Cloud. But I didn't want to just creepily be like, eh. Let me take a picture. So. That's weird that somebody would want to be Reno. That's just odd. That's <laughs> all good. That's all good. But, like, there are various cosplayers there. Um, like you were talking about earlier, the Catherine booth. This, I felt so bad for those two girls that I took the photo of. Because they're basically any chick there who was scantily clad, like, dressed a little bit provoc- provocatively or evocatively. Yeah. Uh, there were just a wave of creepy guys with super nice cameras taking pictures and it was fucking creepy and like some of the girls i could tell were super uncomfortable with it but it was their job it's what they were getting paid to do and some girls were just like you know this is what i'm supposed to be doing but it was like so bad um not just not just catherine booth but all the booths where like there'd be some chicks who were dressed up like showing off technology for like samsung or razor you know or msr and they're just sitting there, like, advertising, talking. And then a guy would come up and, like, take a picture. And she'd be like, dude, I'm fucking trying to do a job here, you know? And, like, you're, like, trying to take a picture of my tits. And I felt really bad. But 
Um, you know, it's their, I guess it's their job. I don't know. I don't know. It's, no, it's that's unfortunate. I mean, you, you don't want to be rude or disrespectful or, or yeah. creepy. I mean, yeah. so that's unfortunate. But, but the cat, the, yeah, but the Catherine the, booth. Too, yeah, that was, <sighs> it was extravagant. It was cool. It was cool. It was cool in the way they did it. Uh, same with the persona booth was right next to it. That was awesome. Uh, like all the dressed up people in there, but I, Unfortunately, so I didn't realize this at the beginning. When you get to something like that, I'm sure some of the more seasoned, the people here who are more seasoned in events like this, know you immediately, if you want to try a demo at one of these places, you have to immediately go to the demo area, pick up a ticket to choose which one you want to do. So there were a ton of games like I could have played the Catherine, the new Catherine game. I could have played uh, Death Stranding. If I'd got there quick enough, I could have played the Resident Evil oh, 2 game. Man. I could have played a ton of good games. Wait, so Death Stranding was playable? People were actually playing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Wow, that's impressive. I Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Kojima's been releasing a bunch of shit all week on that game, so maybe it's closer to being finished than, than we thought it was. I think so. Or it's just like they made a playable demo, and it's like, this is not going to be the final product. Like, I definitely played a yeah, few demos there that guess, was like, yeah. this is kind of indicative of what the game style is going to be like and everything, but this is not the final product. Mm, you know, okay. just to build up hype. Like, that's kind of the point of some yeah. of those things. But uh, I got there too late, <laughs> and one of my friends, he was playing Street Fighter, he's like, oh, you could still play the new One Piece game. I was like, fuck yes. I was so hyped for that. Get there, all the tickets are gone. My three choices mm. were some ass game, I don't remember some other ass game I don't remember, and FIFA 19. What's an ass? So I went with FIFA 19. Uh, I don't, I regret that. Decision. No, it was okay. <laughs> it was all right. I, I played it. It's a soccer um, game. It's just a soccer game, yeah. I, I mean, the game's already released now, pretty much. I'm but, surprised you're a big uh, soccer or football fan. I'm surprised you don't get yeah. into, and you're a big gamer, but you don't really get into the... The FIFA games. I've never known you to be excited about. I'm not a big sports anything. game guy, dude. Like, if I want to play play something like that, I'm just gonna go play it in real life. Even whether I suck uh, or not, I'm just gonna go play one it in real of those life. People, I am one of those people. So, I mean, like, it's fun. Like, Can I go do it in real life. Kind of, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's fun to play with a group of people. Like back when yeah. I was in Australia and I lived yeah, with that's my true. Brazilian friends, we would play FIFA, and that was super fun. But. Other than that, no, I don't. I don't. It would just be them. strangers online, and that wouldn't be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, 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 it's not as fun. But mm-hmm. one one of the big bummers of that was like I saw I saw like sections for um, Shovel Knight, Hollow Knight, and mm. Dead Cells, and I was like, oh fuck yes, I'm gonna get to meet the creators of this. Kind of schmooze a little bit, get there, and it's just some people showing off the game, showing off the technology and stuff. Yeah, like that. they didn't travel with it or something. There. It was such a huge bummer. Like, I really wanted to meet um, Yacht Club Games. I really wanted to meet those guys. They weren't yeah, there. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, uh, yeah. that was that was a big bummer. But I did like so, that. I met, I met, what was your high? You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Let me interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, I think like from I, I I was actually gonna answer your question weirdly enough <laughs> i think the highest point for me was uh actually playing my memory of us and getting to talk to the creator of that game uh, he was a super nice dude um just learning kind of like what they were going for with that game real for me that's what built up the most hype out of anything there i mean it's cool to see the death stranding trailer in the gameplay it's cool to see the resident evil 2 stuff 
like it was cool to see all these different things, but for me, getting to sit down, talk with the creator of a game and him just kind of like detail what's going on and what his idea was and like the uh what what the inspiration for it was was essentially like a real life version of evoking the sublime for me. You should have you should have done you should have hooked him up for evoking the sublime. You well, like, hey, I, dude. I I already yeah. told him that, and I told him I was going to email him after the convention. Um, I didn't want like because I I don't I don't we don't have business cards, and I kind of regret that going into that kind of event in hindsight. But I told him about it, and I was like, dude, um, after I play your game, I would love to get you on the on the podcast for an episode and he said yeah just send me an email and we'll see what we can do so um i'm hoping that cool that actually comes to fruition i'll definitely send him an email see what happens but yeah that well that's I'm, like the trade center experience right you found a game you had never heard of you learned about it you talked about the director like that's that's kind of what it's all about i mean it would have been sure it would have been cool to play one of those big games but you know, you live and learn, but you got to see something kind of obscure, and you got it. Sounds like you had a more intimate experience with the creator, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I it was a, it was overall a good experience. It was a little, it was a little, you know, overwhelming. Like the sheer amount of people, like you're walking through crowds of people. It's a lot of waiting around. It's like going to an <sighs> yeah. amusement park on the busiest oh, day God, of the year, yeah. essentially. Um, I know E3 is going to be like that for sure. Yeah, I. My my feet and leg definitely hurt by the end of it. Like the next day, because <laughs> after that, like we went we went out and got dinner with some friends, and then we were walking around. And the the, the next day, I was fucking gassed. I was absolutely tired. Oh, was that you? Were, you were really gassy. Oh, no, gassed. Oh, gassed. Oh, okay. Gassed. Like I was okay. exhausted. Oh, very, very At least you're gassed. walking around. That's yeah. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. Crop dust. His all legs hurt from. Uh... His yeah. legs hurt from karate kicking all the creeps who were taking pictures of those poor women. Man, yeah, like I was uncomfortable with that, but I also think that's their culture, uh, Japanese culture, because a lot of like when cosplay events happen here, it's the same thing. Like a lot of like yeah. middle aged men come out of the works with their super nice camera, popping pictures off of them, and the women accept it. I think it's, I think there are a lot of, a lot of um, cosplayers, especially women who enjoy that because that kind of like you know with the recent fad of people wanting to become instagrammers and stuff like that i think that's that just for them builds more publicity at the end of the day so i think that's a big part of it but like it's something for me like having grown up in america don't fully understand it it just outside looking in for me it was creepy and weird but maybe Maybe it's something that they're more accepting of. I don't know. I'd have to sit down with a cosplayer and do an interview or something like that. And uh, that's something I need to improve my Japanese for. But that'd be a cool random the next, aside on yeah. evoking the sublime. Interviewing <laughs> the a cosplayer in Japanese. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's awesome. Well, cool. And I, you know, I'm sure those things will come up again because I want to ask you about next week uh, the Death Stranding trailer and stuff. There was a new one that yeah. dropped, but um anyways a uh, big show long show thank you for that update shay thanks for traveling there for us um not that i'm yeah, sure thanks, you had to go to tokyo you. so it's true it wasn't that far and i appreciate you guys being understanding so i could go it's something i wanted to do last year um logistically speaking it couldn't happen so i'm glad that i was able to make it this year 
Um, it's super it, fun. It worked out well for Rich because I know he was fiending to talk about the PlayStation Classic. So, you know, you helped a buddy out, I think. Yeah. Um, get all that on. Yeah, yeah. I helped you, you all blow your loads on the game <laughs> and about the game. And I got to watch dirty old crusty men blow their loads at TGS. Talk hmm. about a moral compass. Take us full circle. True. Um, follow your moral compass and <laughs> not be a creep. Um, anyways, that's going to do it for the show. As usual, In the Blood, I have a podcast called In the Blood. You can listen to me interview composers. Shay has a podcast called Evoking the Sublime, of course. He's raising his hand. Yes. Yeah. I, wa- I wanted to, uh, because it's, it's going to be up by that time, but I just did an interview with uh, Bastion Transistor Pyre writer, Supergiant writer Greg Kasavin. And uh, I'm really excited for that to go up. Um, we talked about Bastion, and I was up at 3 a.m. doing that awesome interview, so I might have been a little bit loopy. Like, there are things, like, during the interview, I was second-guessing myself. I was like, the main character's really name is... Like, um, as I'm hearing myself talk, I'm like, is the main character's name the kid? I can't remember, like, because I'm up at 3 a.m. I was loopy as shit. But it was an. It was awesome a fever interview. dream. We actually didn't do. Yeah, the interview never happened. It was just a, a dream. Um, Fuck. That'd be the worst. Sorry. That'd be the worst thing in the world. Like having that, like that intense of a dream where you think it's real, <laughs> and then you guys are like, "What the hell are you talking about?" That never he just happened. checks his email. No. Why didn't you show up to the interview? Damn it. No, yeah, that's what? that's exciting. Greg Greg uh, Kasavin of GameSpot fame, Bastion, like you said, uh, that's going to be a fun interview to listen to. On evoking the sublime, we'll give it a pub next week too at the beginning of the show. Um, yeah, I'm I, excited for your interview to go up. I, I will have an interview with the uh, Cuphead composer um, Christopher Madigan, but it sounds a little rough. But I'm still excited about that. So check out that on In the Blood. Uh, I've already pumped the Patreon a lot this show. You know where it's at. Tell a friend about the show. We love you. If you made it this far, two and a half hours in, you are the hardcore of the hardest. You're the, you're the hardcore of the hardest. Let me try it again. You're the hardest of the hardcore. Um, and go. all you have to do is tell one person, one living soul or dead soul, whatever you want. Just tell somebody about us. Um, help spread <laughs> the word. <laughs> As Shay would always say, if you're bumping uglies, just whisper it in their ear. Sorry, chomp. That's um, right. <laughs> Fish, <clears throat> come on! Viral marketing, literally. Um, uh, yeah, I'm doing my duties. Okay, good job, good job. He's getting on in on the streets. Um, and every strip club cool. in Texas knows about Sword Chomp at this point. <laughs> it's really right. weird. Yeah, the, I've been getting a lot of follows from just some really interesting cats. So, uh, makes a lot of sense now. Anyways, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up as we head into fall. Um, thanks for checking out the podcast. Thank you, Josh, for being here from Michigan. Shay from Japan. Fish from Texas. Of course, I, Morgan, here from Montana. We will see you next week. Mortarman out. <laughs>